Good evening, this is Count Dracula, and I am your Highway Freaks Halloween Howler Podcast MC tonight. Coming up is the devil himself, Bright Guy, J-Man the Werewolf Snarl, Monster Mark, Corrine the Witch, Sorceress Erin, Tony B, the Zombie, GM Dead Top, produced by Purely Evil Path. Sit back and relax to Highway Freaks Halloween Howler Podcast, Dead Truckers, Dead Life. Good evening. This is Bry Guy, your Halloween Howler Podcast host. And tonight, for a change, we're going to change the names. So here's who we have. We have GM Dead Top. Okay, we have Sorceress Erin, we have Corrine the Witch, we have Articus, okay, he's our special Bigfoot host. We also have J-Man the Werewolf Snarl, okay, we have Ghost Hunter Greg out of Indiana, another special guest. And then we also have what we're going to call... Uh, how do we put this, Pav? We were actually going to call you Purely Evil Pav for tonight. So, just for tonight. Okay, so, lots of cool things happening tonight. We've got some great music, and it's not your usual music. We usually do feature our house band, Fist. They are taking a hiatus for tonight. And so is GM Blacktop's music. It's going to take a bit of a hiatus. We are going to feature some music with the likes of Ray Parker Jr., David Bowie, uh, Rockwell, Michael Jackson, Tenacious D, Leo Maraccioli, Ya Ya Ya, Key of Awesome, and Lyric Noel. So uh, we've got some really good stuff. And at the end of the podcast, if that's not enough, we are going to feature the original Orson Welles broadcast from 1938 War of the Worlds. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. Um, Sorceress Erin, what are you going to talk about tonight? I'm going to talk about uh, The Blair Witch Project, which is the only movie, scary movie, I've ever watched. Okay. Corinne the Witch, what are you going to talk about tonight? I have a few stories from personal experience about ghosts and uh, uh, from relatives as well. And I guess you could say dead relatives visiting. All right. Uh, Articus, what are you going to talk about? Uh, Probably a little bit of Bigfoot and maybe if I got time, throw in some demon stuff. Okay. Okay, and tonight we are going to have a movie review from the guy himself, Count Dracula, who's going to do Halloween Kills, and then Die Guy is going to do Halloween Ends. So let's get into it. So let's start with... Oh, let's give it a shot. First of all, oh, by the way, we have uh, a ghost hunter, Greg. I should not have forgotten him. Uh, He's going to talk about uh, his trials and tribulations as a paranormal investigator as well. Okay, so um, let's get into a quick rapid fire topic. Let's start with Sorceress Erin with the Blair Witch Project. Right. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about the Blair Witch here. Um, I watched it when I was 
probably 12. It was the only scary movie I've ever seen. Um, I'm not into scary movies. <laughs> I watched this on mute, by the way. Um, but what I thought was pretty crazy about it was that it was like a documentary. So um, just a little blurb on the Blair Witch, Witch Project is... So we're instinctively afraid of natural things like snakes and the dark. But we have to be taught to fear walking into traffic or touching an electrical wire. Horror films that tap into our hardwired instinctive fears probe a deeper place than movies with more sophisticated threats. So the Blair Witch Project is an extraordinarily effective horror film. Known or knows it knows this and uses it it has no fancy special effects or digital monsters but its characters get lost in the woods hear noises in the night and find disturbing stick figures hanging from the trees one of them discovers slime on his backpack because their imag imaginations have been inflamed by talk of witches hermits and child and children being murdered in the forest because their food is running out, they are a lot more scared than if they'd merely been chased by some guy in a ski mask. We learn from the opening <clears throat> titles that the 1994-3 that in 1994, three young filmmakers went into a wooded area in search of a legendary witch. A year later, their footage was found. The film style and even its production strategy enhance the illusion that it's a real document documentary. All three of the characters carry backpacks and are prepared for a two or three night uh, sleeping in the tents in the woods. It doesn't work out that way. The buried structure of the film which was written and directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick, is insidious in the way it introduces information without seeming to. Heather, one of the main characters, and her crew in, arrive in a small town in uh, Burkittville, formerly known as Blair, and, inter and interview locals. Many have vaguely heard of the Blair Witch Project and other ominous legends. One says, I think I've seen that documentary on Discovery Channel or something. Another one says, we hear that children have been killed in the woods and bodies have disappeared. And that strange things happen at Coffin Rock. But the movie wisely doesn't present this information as it, can, as it can't be trusted. It's gossip, legend, and lore. Passed along half-jokingly by local people. And Heather, Josh, and Mike, the main characters, view it as good footage, not as a warning. Once they get into the woods, the situation gradually turns ominous. They walk in circles. Something happens to their map. Nature itself begins to seem oppressive and dead. They find ominous signs, bundles of twigs, unsettling stick figures. These crude objects are scarier than more and than more elaborate effects. They look like they've been created by a human who haunts the woods, not by someone playing a practical joke. 
Much has been said about the realistic cinematography, how every shot looks like it was taken by a handheld camera in the woods, which it was. But the visuals are not just a technique. By shooting in a chill season, by dampening the color palette, the movie makes the woods look unfriendly and desolate. Nature is seen as a hiding place for dread secrets. At a time when digital techniques can show us almost anything, the Blair Witch Project is a reminder that what really scares us is the stuff we can't see. The noise in the dark is almost always scarier than what makes the noise in the dark. Any kid will tell you that. Not that we believed that at the time. So that's my little blurb on Blair Witch Project, which, like I said before, I've seen, like, I was 12, watched it on mute. I don't do well with horror movies. I have to watch uh, cartoons right after. So that's that. Bravo. All right. I would like to add something. Uh, I love horror movies, and I also watched The Blair Witch. And I also played the game, which was... Uh, kind of like the exact same thing, but you need to experience it yourself. And I also remember the figure. It was like, if I'm not wrong, a doll made out of sticks, right? Really small, yep. like sticks. Oh, I don't remember. It was really scary. And you went to the forest to find something. It's been like over three years since I played that game, but I remember. And then you have flashes from the time that happened, everything, the ghost and all the stuff. So, yeah, really, really good movie. I would recommend everyone to watch that, man. Seriously, I love that. It totally ruined me. I mean, I wasn't into scary movies before, but I was never going to watch another one after that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's really good for But yeah. So I'm guessing you've never seen The Exorcist. Uh, no, I have. This was a really hard subject for me because I don't do scary movies at all. I don't do like anything scary. I don't like to believe in the paranormal because like when I was a curate and working night shifts, I think you would drive yourself crazy thinking about all the dead people in the facility. If, if you let yourself like, so I've always been the firm believer in it doesn't exist just because I would freak myself out. <laughs> you know, honestly speaking, the exorcist movies are not that much scary compared to Conjuring and Insidious Chapter. Those two, I would recommend give it a try. It's kind of like a loop. When you fall in, you will keep going down and down because they're really good and connected. Give it a watch. I love it. I'll, I'll take That's your word for it. Yeah, it's Halloween season, so I would recommend watching them. <laughs> when they when they expose the witch at the very end of the show, that that scares that scares you for sure. That scares the bejesus out of you. Okay. All right. I was going to comment on uh, on Aaron's story that the thing that I would be most amazed by is walking through the forest and coming up on a coming up on a coffin rock. Like what the fuck? The thing that always bugged right. me was. Oh, you can go ahead there, Brian. Okay. Um, I was just going to wrap it up. Uh, so we got lots to get to. So uh, uh, if you want to finish that final comment, go ahead. I was just going to say what bugged me was that they were lost. They were going in circles. And I remember being taught as a kid, you follow the water down. And that was my biggest thing during that movie. I was like, just follow the water down. You will get out. <laughs> it's a horror movie. They don't do smart things. 
<laughs> right. Okay. It's like we're so. scared. Let's go in the basement. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and and ask and as you're walking into the basement, hello, is anybody there? Like really? Get down here. I'm down here waiting. I'm gonna hack you up when you get down here. Okay. I was always told to follow the girl in the in the, in the woods, follow the girl in the bikini. That's that was cool. That's gonna be bad teaching. All right. We've got a we've got a song by Lyric Noel, and it's called "This Is Halloween." So when we get back, we're gonna be tapping into Greg, the ghost hunter, formal paranormal investigator. He's gonna tell you a little bit about his life and uh, some of his uh, situations as a ghost hunter. Can't wait to hear that.
such a rocky version of this is Halloween. Uh, I remember the nightmare before Christmas and um, the, uh, I think they sang that song, but not at that version. That's for sure. So let's go to Indiana and I'm going to introduce ghost hunter, Greg. And uh, he is uh, a formal paranormal investigator. And uh, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, then go into uh, telling us a little bit about the world of ghosts and goblins. Hey, thanks for having me on here, man. I really, I really do appreciate it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a stepping out of my, my comfort zone to do stuff like this, but uh, it's it's cool to be on here, man. Well, we're looking forward to having you and uh, future podcasts as well. Um, so, uh, by the way, this is number fifty-two, Highway Freaks, for those that are listening. Um, so, carry on, get Greg. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'd have to say. I guess start at the beginning. Uh, I pretty much had the the basic interest in the paranormal uh, that most kids have. I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe I was just a weird kid or something. Um, I can remember my the school I went to. Small school, not a lot of kids. Small library, so there were maybe five or six books on paranormal subjects, like you know, like ghosts and and cryptozoology and ufology and that kind of stuff and i probably was the one person that checked them out all the time because i was just really really interested in it and uh it kind of went on through my childhood and at one point it just kind of disappeared and we had a uh we had a really good group of friends a family friends who lived near here and owned it. Well, they, they didn't live near here. They owned a, a, a antique shop near here, but they lived in a really big house in, in Bloomington, which I live near Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, it was a three story, big brick house. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Had an old carriage house in the back. They turned into apartments. And I can remember as a kid, them telling us stories about the problems they had within this house including you know this carriage house like i said they turned it into three apartments for college kids and they could never keep kids there for more than maybe a week and they never really told us why but we could you know they, they kind of hinted to the fact that yeah they were they were a little bit creeped out by some things that happened in there and then they started telling us stories about what happened in their house the, probably the first first really time I could say that I had some weird feelings about the paranormal was going to their house on Christmas Eve for a big party. And big, lots of people there, big fire in the fireplace, a beautiful place. But every time when I walk in the house, I automatically got nauseous, very, very sick to my stomach, sweating, you know, that kind of awful, awful feeling. And I would, I would walk outside to cool off and I would feel better, but I'd go back inside and, and I'd start to get that feeling. So it's, it's, that's kind of where my journey into the paranormal started. And then it kind of, it stopped for a while. I, I didn't necessarily lose interest in it. I just didn't really, 
I didn't really go forward with with uh, getting into it until I don't know, it probably probably 15 years ago or so. I it kind of really piqued my interest in it. And of course, the, the shows like Ghost Hunters had come on, and it and that the first couple of seasons, like I talked with Brian last the other night, that uh, the first couple of seasons of Ghost Hunters was great, and then it kind of went to crap. But uh, and it kind of piqued my interest again, so I found a group here in Indiana that were into ghost hunting, and they actually had a chapter in Bloomington, which is really close to me. So I made all the connections online with the people, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we meet at the library. Come and come and hang out and join us and see what's going on." So I got into this group, which it was it was fun. I met some really great friends. Um, I butted heads with a lot of people because of because of my my thoughts on the paranormal. I'm as I talked with Brian. I'm very much a skeptic, and I'll go into that uh, a little bit here in a little bit. But got in with this group, and we started doing you know just basic hunts. Uh, they seem to like to go to graveyards, which that's kind of like a to me it's silly. It's kind of like literally going to the zoo to hunt for animals you know um but then it was fine it was fun like i said met some good people we did some really cool investigations we went to a to a uh, hotel that's south of here in the southern part of indiana it's pretty pretty well known for its paranormal activity we had several things i actually got pushed down there uh, we were in the basement in the carry in the uh, horse stables. They used to have old horse stables down in the bottom in the basement. And I got pushed really hard on my left shoulder. Uh, that was probably, uh, I think it was probably the only time I had actual contact like that. It, it, it affected me for a while. My left arm was, was, it was almost like it was asleep for several days, which was kind of creeped me out. But, uh, we stayed the night there. Me and one of the guys that were in my group stayed in a room together. The closet door in our room opened and closed 37 times during the night. Uh, I think he recorded it. I didn't mess with it. It was just, to me, it was kind of interesting. And, you know, one of those, ah, well, who knows? It's an old building. Get door could open and close by themselves. But, yeah, we'll see. But, uh... I eventually got away from that group, but I continued on my own, uh, began, my word kind of got out to people that I was doing investigations, and I started to do some serious um, investigations in homes, a couple of businesses, I, I probably did 50 or so um, actual investigations, and as I told Brian, I probably... I probably debunked 98% of those, meaning that I found that it was more likely a natural cause or a cause within the residence or the home. The, probably the main classic cause was what's known as a fear cage. Um, it's from high, very high EMF readings. And it's usually due to, well, it's almost always due to the age of the building or the age of the home and the age of the electrical system within the home. You could, 
could walk in, turn on an EMF detector, and it just spikes sky high. And it causes what high EMF causes is is it can cause you to feel a little paranoid. It can make you feel like somebody's standing behind me, or gives you gives you the that kind of willy feeling. It's just it's just really high electromagnetic forces coming off of the electrical system. And you can imagine some of them that I, that I that I found were actually dangerous to the point where I told the people I said until you get somebody in here to fix your electrical system, I wouldn't sleep here. It was it was just that bad. Um, yeah, we had I had but I had I had a few that really I could not uh, I couldn't figure out what was going on. One was a an old farmhouse. Um, well, the house wasn't old. House was 10 years old, but the farm was very old. It actually used to have a, uh, a stagecoach stop for the across the country stagecoach. And they actually had a small, almost like a hotel. And it sat right there where they built this house. And their main, main complaint was that they were just constantly in this one area of their kitchen were hearing voices and they could tell it was human voices and they could tell it was talking but they could never you could couldn't tell what the comment it was like people in a room having a conversation so of course we went we we did everything we could to debunk it we shut the power off to the house we checked every crawl space for any kind of any kind of playback device we even had made sure people that were near where they lived had everything shut off but it was just this one little area and, and we never picked it up on on any kind of evp or you know any kind of recording device but you could hear it it just sounded like five or six people like in a like in a restaurant how you would kind of hear that that muttering going on um, in the background but you could just never quite clue in what they were saying so um and then I just kind of, I got out of it. Uh, it just, I think mainly because of, and I'm going to say this a lot, the TV shows that are on there right now that are just, they're just ridiculous. And anybody that asks me says, what's, you know, what's it like? How is it so exciting to be a paranormal investigator? It's like, eh, no, <laughs> it's not. It is not at all like it is on TV. Um, a, a actual investigation can take up to 12 hours so it's 12 hours of walking around sitting taking picture doing recordings and then you go home and you sleep and then a few days later you might spend three or four days going through your photographs your videos your your audio recording listening closely and intently for for anything out of the ordinary and it just very rarely did we have it uh, Brian, you want me to tell you the let me to tell the one I told you. But as you said, you have something that you told Brian, but you don't want to tell us. But now I'm excited to know what that thing is. Yeah, I want to know what it is too. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had we had an investigation in in Bloomington. Uh, the lady was a nurse at the hospital. Uh, very nice lady, quite religious lady, but she lived in the trailer, and. Uh, Everything was good with her for about the first year, and then she started having issues with banging and, and things disappearing and, and 
or, or things, you know, she'd leave the keys in one place and they'd end up somewhere else. And just really, and that creepy feeling, you know, I was telling you about, and, it, it was, and this wasn't because of EMF. Um, we got there, it was myself, it was two, three ladies and one of the guys. And uh, we decided we'd start in the back bedroom. I don't know if you know the layout of homes, trailer homes. The bedroom was in the very back and the kitchen was in the other end, completely the other end of the trailer. So it was myself and two of the ladies. We went back into the bedroom to start an active EVP session, an active EVP. EVP is electro, electronic voice phenomenon. Um, an active EVP session would be literally sitting down and asking questions to whatever possible spirit might be there with us. Um, the other type of EVP is inactive EVP, which you would just literally take a recording device like a digital recorder, hit record, lay it down, and walk away, and just kind of try to pick up things. But we were doing an active EVP session. The one lady was, we put her in charge of, of hosting this session. So we were in the back bedroom. I had a digital recorder. One lady had a tape recorder, an old-fashioned cassette tape recorder, and then the other lady had a video camcorder. And then the other lady and the gentleman, other gentleman with us were talking to the client in, um, in the kitchen, way far away. They, we, had a, we had a basically an interview that we would give everybody. It's kind of a bunch of silly questions, but it's part of the part of the thing you know do you do drugs are you schizophrenic blah 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 um so we started the active evp session and uh, the lady introduced all three of us to said spirit and uh she she said something to the effect of you know we're not here to do you any harm and then we went on with the active evp session and it lasted about 25 minutes so we stopped we went out into the living room area and sat down and just kind of chilling out. And the one lady was listening to her cassette recording of our EVP session, which I generally didn't listen to stuff right away. I would give it a couple of days and then and then listen to it on my own. Um, suddenly, she just she just gasped. I mean, she was just and she turned white. And we're like, what, 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 what? you know, because she was sitting kind of looking down the hallway and we thought, well, maybe she saw something. She's like, no, you've got to listen to this. She had, she had headphones she was listening through and she unplugged them and, and started to play it. And when the lady said, we're not here to do you any harm, you clearly, clearly hear a male voice say, that clear. And we thought, well, maybe it was something in the her in her tape recording. So I listened to my digital recording. I got the same exact thing. We listened on the video tape, exact same thing. So to tell you, to give you a little history of this lady's trailer, the tenant before her was a man who was a paraplegic. Um, so wheelchair bound. He had to have nurses in all the time for some reason we don't know why this guy did not like women at all um 
And he, of course, eventually died in that trailer. So we're pretty sure he didn't want anything to do with the ladies in there. And that's why he told us to... Uh, I wish I still had that. I, as I told Brian, I lost so much stuff in computer crashes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if that's kind of kind of my story um i'm very much as i said i'm very much a skeptic about things i do completely believe that there are there's our spirits around i mean we we as human beings have an electrical system and it's in our heart and it has as you know energy cannot be destroyed or, or changed so when we die where does that little bit of electricity go who knows very well said. Very well said, Greg. Um, and we have had some people join us here. We have uh, Tony B. the Zombie, and we have Monster Mark. So welcome, you guys. Uh, we have a full panel tonight, and uh, Greg is from Indiana, and if you just joined, he was telling his story as a paranormal investigator prior to uh, what he did before. So anybody got any questions for Greg? Oh, I want to ask something, uh, Greg, about the recording. How can we like hear it through that machine, but we cannot hear it in our ears, man? Like, I played a lots of horror games, especially Phasmophobia. That is something like a uh, simulator for the ghost hunters. So we they show all the gadgets that you guys use. Uh, but only thing that always kind of like hard to understand is the spirit box. That when they talk, you can hear it through the speaker, but you cannot hear it in real life in your own ears like can you explain me what that is from it it, it, it goes back to the whole energy thing um I'm, I'm sure if you watch ghost hunters or you watch ghost adventures or any of those things you know they're always talking about how they can feel the energy or cold spots or whatever it evp is really really interesting it's one of the things that i it's one of the reasons I left the one group was because people were thinking they were hearing things when they weren't. Like they would, they would take a recorder and they would just turn it on if they're sitting in a restaurant and uh, and record it and they'll listen to it and all of a sudden they'll hear something and it's like, well, how do you know it's not just somebody three tables away from you saying something or, or yeah, it would be it would be a it would be something that just doesn't makes sense like if you're doing an active evp session you're asking direct questions you're like what year were you born were you male or female you know what was your name and if you ask what was your name and you hear peanut butter and jelly yeah. that, that just okay sorry that doesn't make sense why would they say why would they say something like that but it's just it, it's just an evp is just an an electrical imprint of communication from a spirit is basically what they're saying it is and believe me i've heard some like that one i was telling you about and i've heard some others that were really really especially in active evp sessions that were that were answering questions directly and it was it, those are the ones that really interest me mm -hmm. um, and then it's 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 i was talking to brian about orbs people are always in the paranormal realm are always talking about orbs oh my gosh look at all these orbs look at like what? yeah okay what, what makes you think is you know how's that not dust oh yeah I, now i have seen orbs 
I have a few pictures on my Facebook of orbs that I'm pretty sure were were what they are. But you got to remember that an orb is the, is the is the simplest shape in nature. Um, everything comes formed of raindrops or an orb, a ball lightning. I've seen fire in the shape of orbs and electrical arcs and so forth. You know, plasma is going to become an orb. So it just we I always got arguments with them about those things. I can remember one we did at an old house and that they were cleaning this place up and they had just swept all the carpets and used carpet fresh. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a dust that you put in the carpets and you sweep and it makes things smell good. And uh, they took, some lady took some pictures in there and she was like, look at all these orbs. And I was like, no, that's carpet. That's carpet. Carpet fresh. I can smell it. You know, so. But yeah, like, uh, like whenever you are nearby and the area is got cold, so you have those temperature detector and stuff. So are those several things like you? Yeah, we used we used uh, oh the infrared uh, thermometers. Mm -hmm. um, we used EMF detectors. There were several different things we could wow. use, but it, for the most part, it was it was take pictures, take video, take audio. Those and then just me, keep checking them right for a long time. Yeah, and like I said, we would you know, when we got done, go home, get some rest, because again, you know, I think the longest longest investigation I had was about eighteen hours, and then that's include that's not including interviews. Yeah, it's not including interviews and setup and drive time to wherever you're going and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's eighteen hours of sheer boredom. That's why it was always really good to have people that you liked and could talk to and 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 whatever to keep you entertained, because otherwise you'd just sit there and fall asleep and who knows yeah. what you miss. <laughs> but yeah, man, anytime if you ever showed up in Alberta, just let me know. Okay, I would love to tag along. <laughs> I I thought about getting back into it, but uh, I whenever you want to return, just let us know, man. We all go like the highway free team will all go together. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I told Brian, I just told Brian, I'm very, very, I'm kind of stuck at home right now. I've been taking care of my, my elderly mother for mm -hmm. five years, four and a half years now, full time. She's, she's in bed full time and, and I'm, I'm the only one in the family left. I don't, my, my dad and my sister are both gone. So, um, yeah, I just really don't have the time to get out there and do it. Yeah, hopefully you probably did anytime I will keep you up there. Okay. I'm trying to convince hey. some people around me, but no one is saying yes. Once anyone convinced, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'd go. Right. I'd go. I'd go in a heartbeat. Never forget about Bry guy. He wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah. I no won't go. go not, 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 not one way in hell would I be going. To <laughs> oh man, I want to go to Bobby McKay's. I don't. <laughs> hey, you've heard. You've oh. obviously heard of it. Never heard of it, but if it's got anything to do with paranormal, I don't want to go. Oh man, Google it. Google it. I've actually what was the name? Seen, uh Bobby McKay's. Bobby McKay was a country singer. Oh, and he cool. he he bought a tavern while uh a, a girl was uh tortured and murdered and uh basically chopped up into small pieces and dumped in a well under the building. 
and Ooh. it was a it was a satanic ritual they believe and it was a long time ago that this had happened and uh the paranormal shit that goes on at that place is uh, uh amazing like people yeah, have literally people have literally been hurt by this being right and uh it's, it's quite interesting yeah, get hurt. You probably get more hurt by a bunch of small pieces of meat flying around hitting you in the eye. <laughs> well, yes. okay, guys, we're going to wrap this up. That was an interesting topic, Greg. Uh, you could go on for more, and and I'm sure that uh, you can uh, message some of our people on the panel if you want to, you know, if they've got additional questions for you. Uh, Monster Mark on our Halloween podcast has joined, and we're going to have his topic coming in right after the song Monster Mash from Key of Awesome on Highway Freaks. You remember in the 60s when I invented the marsh? Well, now the time has come for me to update that smash. Since I've been out of the fright game for 52 odd years, I invited a new crew to spread spooky cheer. The first to arrive was Dr. Hannibal Lecter. He brought his own date, and he seemed to respect her. They hit the dance floor with a jive and a jitter. Then he... He ripped off her face! He's pulling out her liver! That's really gross! Oh my god, what just happened? He ate her face! Yes, I know! I saw! Speaking of saw... I like to play disgusting games. He broke his jaw! That is way too graphic! I'm going to faint! Surely all the other guests won't be this rude Like this classic monster, a scary hip dude He's got a kooky style and a spooktastic look Oh my god, he just hung the waiter on a meat hook Why? He's cutting him up with a chainsaw It's what he does Who is Freddy Krueger? He haunts your dreams Ooh, he sounds like a real spooker I murder teens you can't escape me, bitch! Language! In my day, the monsters would just give you a spook. Nowadays, it seems they all just want to make you puke. Ah, the human centipede. That sounds like a hit. Wait, the ones in back have to eat the front one's shit? Enough! The party's over! Everybody out! You all have no idea what Spooktober is about! Here comes the Wolfman. He'll show you how it's done. He knows how to be creepy, but he always keeps it fun. No! That was my friend. Why did he meet such a horrifying end? Is it too much to ask to have some monsters dance? It's really quite a hoot if you give it half a chance. This guy won't let it go. I think it's rather sad. Guys, I feel guilty. And I also feel bad. Let's give him a couple moves. It's the least we can do. Okay, places, everybody. And a one, and a two. Look at us dance. You did the monster dance? Hey, look, jazz hands. Don't twist too fast. Our skulls are smashed. Oh, great. It's the girl from the ring. Her heart is black. Ooh, she really knows how to swing. I wouldn't look directly at her face if I were you. Oh. Oh, well, we tried. He died doing what he loved. Monster choreography. Hey guys, I know a game we could play. Okay. Hi there.
How's everybody doing? We're doing great. Yeah. So far, so good, man. Good to hear everybody tonight. That uh, that last story was very, very interesting. And I'm with Jay. I'll I'll go and do a little walk around with uh, some people to check some stuff out. Um, spookier the better. Yeah. So I've got I don't know I I mean everybody's got one or two stories and I've got a couple of stories but the first one that I really really experienced my mom and dad were in the midst of buying a house out in Royal Oak and it was around 85 or 86 and my dad uh, asked me to go along with uh, him and my mom I had just come back from the army and I, I, I went to go check this house out and uh, a lady was living there and it was a really nice place and the whole day it just I, I had a weird feeling um, I don't know why I just had a weird feeling when we got to the the house everything about the house felt cold everything about it felt a little damp more so than it actually was outside and you know we walked around it had a really nice suite it had a um, down in the basement it really really nice suite downstairs um, it was beautiful upstairs had a beautiful fireplace it was just I, I knew my mom and dad would have been happy there had a separate garage had a two-car carport my dad was going to be in his glory for places to work and, and tinker on things long driveway lots of parking anyways this lady was telling dad you know about the house and how it was built and uh, we went to go out to the garage and she goes well I'll open the garage door for you but I'm not going out there and my dad goes well, why is that and she goes well I don't know that I want to tell you guys about this because I really need to sell this house and so him and my dad kind of walked a couple of steps or her and my dad sorry took a couple of steps ahead of my mom and I and they were talking and we could hear and she said that she had been married to a fellow named George and they had a lovely life together. They built the house together. Um, it, it was their it was supposed to be their final home. And and uh, she she left and she took off for the day and she came back and she was puttering about the house and didn't see him. So thought he might have gone for a walk around the neighborhood or something. And it just didn't seem different to, to her at all. And then it was like well it's going on a long time and he's not been back this is before cell phones so it's not like she could call him and she hit the garage door opener from the basement and walked out into the carport and started walking up the driveway towards the garage as the door is going up she's looking down watching her steps because it's a bit of a hill to come up out of the carport and she looked up as the garage door was about halfway and saw that his car was in the garage and is the garage door went a little farther she saw the bottom of his feet and then his legs then his torso and then his arms and his hands hands and arms and then a rope and his neck and his head and he was swinging in the garage he had killed himself and that kind of gave me the chills when I heard her saying that just kind of gave me a chill up my spine it's like oh god that's spooky as hell and my mom just turned around and went mm -mm, nope and she turned around she was not going in that garage she went back in the house and she puttered around and the lady that owned the house went with my mom and my dad and I are walking around the garage and my dad goes did you hear that and I went uh yeah and as soon as I said the word yeah 
not the not the garage door, but the man door on the side of the door, or the side of the garage, slammed cl- closed like right now. There was no wind. There was no change in any kind of uh, atmospheric pressure. You know, a truck didn't drive down the road, and some of the gust come down the driveway. There was nothing that would have caused that door to cr- close as hard as it did. And my dad looked at me, and I said, uh, going to be your house. I think I'm going to go out and just stand out there for a few minutes. I didn't want to be in there. It just it gave me the chills. I, I didn't equate spook or spirit. or I didn't equate that to it, but it, it gave me the chills, and I, I couldn't explain it. And and I'm, I'm one of those guys, you got to prove things to me. You got to explain it. You got to show me something somehow, some way. Well, my mom and dad ended up, did they did buy the house. They sold their other place. They bought that place. And I was in a really bad situation in my life at that time. Um, I hadn't done well since I came back from the army. I'd gotten into a bit of a depression. Um, life wasn't going well for me. And I was, I was not behaving well. I was, I was really crossing my parents and... They had kicked me out after I came back from the army and um, I, I needed to get my shit together. So I went and saw my mom and dad for their last Christmas at their old place. And I was still there on, on Boxing Day. And my mom goes, all right, let's have a talk. And we had a talk and they said, okay, if you're going to stay with us this time, you're going to toe the line. You're going to do what we say. And, you know, there's going to be some rules. And I agreed to everything. And then they planted it on me that we were moving into that house. And I looked at my mom and she goes, you can have the, the, the bedroom downstairs. It's the size of a living room. It has a fireplace. It's huge. That was going to be my spot. And I went, okay, all right, I'll, I'll tow the line. We weren't in there two days and sounds, creepy sounds. Um, every once in a while, a, a man's voice. I couldn't, I, I never was really able to clearly make out what the voice was saying. It sounded like it was a conversation off in the distance. And um, my dad just kept saying, well, George is here today. George is here today. Hey, did you hear George last night? Like, my dad made a joke of it. And my mom didn't like it. It it creeped my mom out bad. And every time I was in the garage, it just seemed a little bit cooler. And I mean, I get garages. It's concrete floor. You know, the, unless you're you're you've got your rebar going straight down into the thermal part of the the core, it, you're you're it's a cold floor. And and I mean, I've, been, I've worked in garages my whole life, so I understand that they're a little bit cooler. But even in the summertime, with the garage door open, the man door open, music playing, it was just had a chill to it. And every once in a while, that door would slam, or the radio that came with the garage would turn on. Or it was part of the house when. The lady just left it in there. Oh, you guys can keep the old radio in there. So it would turn on, and it was um, CFAX 1070 was the station that would play. And it's just like, meh. I, I, I just told my dad, I said, if we're going to work, I would rather work in the driveway or in the carport. Every once in a while, I had to do a job in the garage. But um, I had had surgery, and I was in my room. And my mom and dad were taken off for a couple of days. And it was summertime. It was beautiful out. Had, Anyways, it was summertime. I was in my room. I had a cast on my leg. I really wasn't going anywhere. 
and um, my cousin Bruce was renting the basement suite. I was in the other half of the basement, and my mom and dad were getting ready to leave. They said, Bruce is going to come by in a little while and do something. I can't remember what it was. I said, okay, I'll see you guys later. Have a great weekend. I said, I told them that my girlfriend was going to come by for a visit. And anyways, they took off and they came back like two minutes later. And the, the laundry room had a wash tub and the water was on. And I thought my dad had left it on. He goes, why did you leave the water on? I said, I haven't left my room. And he comes to my door and he looks at me, goes, pardon. I said, I haven't left my room. He goes, oh, I guess it was George. And he went and turned the water off. And then they left. And I heard a rumble, which I thought was my cousin in his car. And I heard the garage door open. I heard the garage door close. I thought, okay, well, cousin Bruce is here doing whatever he needs to be doing. And I heard the, the basement door open. I heard the basement door close. And I heard the laundry room wash tub turn back on. It sounded like somebody was washing their hands. And then all of a sudden I heard another rumble and all the sounds that I was listening to went quiet. And Bruce walked in the door. He said, hey, cousin, how you doing? And I got chills to, like from my head to my toe and went, what the hell? And he goes, why'd you leave the laundry room, the laundry tub water on? I said, I didn't. Dad was just in here and he turned it off. <laughs> he looks and he laughs at me because your dad didn't turn the water off. I went, yeah, he did because I just heard you come in and you were in there washing your hands or something. He goes, Mark, I just got here. And I'm telling you, I like I was shitting bricks. I was so scared. I thought, what the freaking hell is going on? So now I'm a little creeped out and I don't want to be alone. I'm in my early 20s and um, this creepy stuff's going on in the daylight. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be alone. And, and he says, well, I got to go. I got to go pick up Karen. That was his then wife. And he left. He couldn't have been gone half an hour. And I heard the uh, closet in the laundry room open. And I heard something come off the shelf. And I heard a like a jar. And I heard the jar open. And then it smashed on the floor. And I got up. Now, I, now I'm freaked out. I got to see what's going on. And as I walked to my bedroom door to look into the laundry room to see what was going on. There was a jar smashed on the floor and the garage door in my in front of my own eyes opened. Nobody there. Uh, the door handle, I don't know what, uh, it just, the door opened. And I thought, holy crap, that's the... Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what to do. I didn't know if I should close my door and hide under the covers or if I should find a way to get in a car, because I had a cast from my crotch to my ankle. I couldn't drive. I thought, I'm going to break this cast in half, and I'm going to get the hell out of here. And uh, and then I remembered my dad would talk to George. So I'm sitting in my room, and I very audibly, very loudly said, Hey, George, um, sorry, buddy. I, I mean, uh, mom and dad are gone for the weekend, but I'm still here, dude. So you're not alone. And I kept talking to him for off and on for about a half an hour. And I didn't hear any noises for the rest of the day. I didn't hear any noises for that night. My girlfriend came over. There was nothing until the next morning and her and I are lying in bed. And I told her about what had happened. And sure as anything, 
the basement door opened. And we're, we're looking out my bedroom door into the laundry room, into the basement by the furnace, and we saw the light of the door open and went, oh, Bruce is here. And the phone rang. And I answered the phone, and it was Bruce. And I just sat right up in bed, and I looked at her, and she goes, who is it? And I said, it's Bruce. And she laughed. She went, nope, mm-mm, no, 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 not being part of this. So she split. She didn't want anything to do with any ghosts. And um, and, and I, I just, I started talking to him again. I, I said, hey, George, look, buddy, you know, I'm still here, pal. I'm, I'm not feeling very well. I'm a little laid out, but I'm here. You're not alone. And all the, all the noises stopped. And uh, anytime after that, that weird noises or things would happen, I would just talk to him until my mother finally had had enough. And she goes, okay, he's got to go. And my dad kind of laughed. And I said, you know, he's not going to go. And she goes, I know what to do. And my mom was brought up in a private school. Of course, she, all the Catholic stuff and whatnot. So she got real quiet. She pulled out a Bible and she said, George, the, my power and savior, Jesus Christ, blah, 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 did her thing. Says, it's time for you to go, George. You need to get out. You got to go. And she said a few other words, uh, biblical. I'm not going to get into all that because that's my mom's thing. But um, she said a few other things and she commanded him to leave. And I'm not kidding you. From that day forward, there wasn't another sound in that house. Not one. Not one weird thing happened. Not a, not a door, not a laundry room tap. Nothing happened after my mom told him to get out. So, I got a couple other ones, but that that's my that's my main one. That's that's my spookiest one. See, you can be friends with a ghost. Wow, you know. Wow. Uh, so Mark had the friendly ghost. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I had another one where I'd have been dead because I'd have stabbed myself with the closest knife. <laughs> well, me, me, me and Deb lived in a house before Caitlin was born with dead kids in it. And it was oh, actually kind of it was actually kind of cute, but kind of sad, really, when you thought about mm-hmm. it. Because the, the little bastards would play with the you'd hear giggling, mm-hmm. and I always thought Deb was smoking crack or something like that. But I came home, and I was laying in bed, and something was tickling my feet, <laughs> and it would giggle, and then the toilet would flush. Well, it. Anybody who's ever had a kid, when they're toddlers, they love the toilet. I don't know what it is about the toilet, but they all want to play in it. And it, that went on for... Life changes. Well, it, it would only happen once a month. And so it was a female. It, it was kids. There was, I, I'm no. thinking it was either two or three. But when you got start thinking about it, you know, dead, they're they're dead, right? You know, that's that's kind of sad, you know. But uh, it didn't really bother me. But uh, Deb didn't like it very much. <laughs> yeah, physical so, physic, physical hauntings like that are are really well. Those are the ones that are interesting. Um, this you were talking about this George guy. With did you ever 
find out why he committed suicide? My dad did, and my mom knew, and I know they told me once. Um, honestly, it was it was, but I think when my mom and dad finally told me, it was about nineteen ninety two. 91, 92, when they finally told me, and I had, uh, I had just had, um, my, my then, um, common law wife and I had moved out to Souk and we were busy with a, a very, very sick boy. And, um, we, uh, he was sick for quite a few years with his meningitis and then loss of hearing. And, um, he had some growth problems. So I, I didn't really latch on to the whole story unfortunately my mom's gone now my dad is in a facility with dementia and i'll never know what exactly happened to him and why he got depressed i i just don't know yeah that anytime you have suicide homicide that kind of thing um those can be really really tricky things to deal with i and i talked to brian about this i lost my sister in uh 2013 to homicide um her ex-boyfriend shot her nine times and then he committed suicide and i had to of course go into her house to uh to get things some things taken care of and get some things out of there that we needed to get out of there and i'm i'm very sensitive to that kind of thing and i just course i felt horrible when i went in this house but ended up having a, a, a friend of mine come in and actually do a blessing on the house to uh to because i just felt like to me she was still there she wasn't set free so he came in and and did the whole thing with sage and whatnot and and drove her out so yeah those those can be tricky those are the ones where you you can you can get into issues with malevolence where they're right. doing, doing things that can become harmful to people. I agree. Yep. But yeah, it sounds like this one you were dealing with, your your mom went right down down the right road. And probably, there's probably a chance that he may have been a little bit religious also. And that just gave him the peace to cross on over. Right. You know, open that door, um, whatever it is, you know, clear the path, whatever whatever it was. Uh, my mom was very, very firm in what she did, what she said. She meant it. She felt it. And it was over. Um, kudos yeah. to her. But yeah. my dad and I both told my mom, you know, we kind of miss George because <laughs> he was interesting to us. But mom did not want spooks around the house anymore. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he was real. I mean, he was he was a little bit cantankerous, but it um, doesn't sound like it was really. It's it's. Most hauntings are very benign. Ninety-five percent of them, ninety-eight percent of them are benign. It's that it's that few percent that aren't are the ones, and I, I dealt with a few that were really were really creepy in mm -hmm. my days, and and yeah, I, that's one of the things that I just I really didn't like was dealing with that kind of thing because. And Brian was talking about Ouija boards and stuff like that. You can, man, you can really get into because they can follow you home. Oh yes, it can. I, I had a very, very, very painful, um, very um, 
dangerous experience with the Ouija board. I'm not going to get into it because it'll take too much time. But uh, I, I don't mind sharing it with if with any of you guys. If you guys ever have a moment, want to talk about it, a very dear friend of mine got hurt. I watched. I, I, I things happen. About that, <laughs> well, and I'll, I can I'll second gonna... that because my first girlfriend was possessed from a Ouija board. But we won't get into that either. No, um, not we got to we got to oh, wrap it up, on, Mark. That was that yeah. was really good. I, I really like enjoyed that. Your friendly right host, George and. Jay's Tidy Bowl Ghost. Okay, so um, we're going to get into another song. This is called Heads Will Roll from an American indie band called Yeah, Yeah, Yeah on Highway Freaks.
Yeah, my name's Art. Um, Bigfoot's been a hobby of mine for, uh, I don't know, probably since the 70s, since I was about five. Um, my uncle has photos of the famous Bosberg Cripplefoot footprints, which I own now. Um, um, this year, I don't know, I found a lot of evidence this year, but no, no sightings like I did last year. Brian and uh, Jay, they've seen some of my photos. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get into a story that happened. I think it was about a year and a half ago, about 12 miles from me here in Butte. Um, me and my buddy go to the same area all the time. And, uh, we'd been going in there and we found a teepee structure and we found all kinds of signs and stuff. And the following week we went back and the teepee structure was tore down. He, they'd thrown things in in the trail to try and block us um but it was funny because it, my hair was standing on end the whole time this time going in there and i kept seeing something out of my peripheral vision but i couldn't catch it completely um we started hearing growls the closer we got to where that tp structure was and uh so we're looking around and out of the blue a rock about the size of a coconut came flying from I don't know where <laughs> but it hit the tree next to us and it broke it was hard enough it broke the rock in half when Bigfoot gives you a sign to leave you leave um I don't think he would hurt you unless you're messing with him I mean pushing him to the limits but when he warns you to leave you leave uh, yeah uh, I had to change my underwear after that one so That's that's one of my things. Um, I just got back from Washington a couple about a month ago. Did some squatching over there. Found more good sign. A lot of tracks, but I'm just not didn't had haven't had as much time to do it this year as I normally do, and uh, so I I haven't been able to get out there and put in the work this year. But I got a YouTube ch channel coming soon, me and my buddy. So hopefully. Uh, that takes off and we find them <laughs> well you get a youtube channel i will definitely be subscribing well i yeah, just we... bought another drone and some more tree cams and hopefully i'll finally get to use this stuff i have so much stuff that i haven't got to use that's still in the box well i'm i'm a total believer in bigfoot oh i know you are absolutely yeah. I did a I did a couple of cryptid uh, investigations that were they never really turned out to anything but uh, yeah uh, Bigfoot is definitely one of those interesting things. Do you kind of what do you think he is? Do you think he's a? I think he's more primate. Uh, do you think but, it's just do you think it's just a leftover from long long ago? Or a lot uh, of people a lot of people are into this whole thing about him being an interdimensional being um that, that's a possibility i mean i'm not ruling that out um because the, he can disappear like that <laughs> um and sometimes the way the tracks fall they just stop and i mean i have no answer for that yeah that's that's another thing that like i said back to to a kid it's always interesting to me with bigfoot of course the whole Patterson film thing from 
from Cal from Northern California is still one of the greatest. Of oh, it is. And I mean, I, 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 I don't watch the shows on TV. They're never going to find them. They're, they're there for ratings. <laughs> um, you're better off to watch videos on YouTube if you want to learn about it. Yeah, the TV TV stuff is just garbage anymore. And I mean, a lot of people don't like Todd Standing. I, I'm still on the fence about him, but I think I think he's legit. And that's a guy that's from uh, Canada. He does a lot of his uh, stuff up by Banff. Oh yes, I remember reading about him. I'm near Bass. What do you think? Any experience? He's got some of the best photos out there, but they're trying to say that he, uh, it's a mask and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I watched another guy, Thinker Sunker, who breaks all these videos down, and he's got all the degrees in video and photo stuff, and he can tell you how things, he's even put our body and their body into their own DNA, uh, that are, body dimensions and uh he's pretty good about breaking them down he, he can tell you if it's a human or or a or more of a primate type versus uh some of these suits i mean there's there's no way that a person's arms are that long and they wouldn't move like that if they had arm extensions and about the picture that you said you showed up you have some pictures of that as well Oh, I have some pictures. Um, Brian's seen them. Jay's seen them. I would love to see them, man. I mean, well, that's 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 what we're here for. Um, Art can pass them on to you, and um, I, I can um, arrange that for you, Pav. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, they, hey, according to science, of course, they'd be called inconclusive, but I don't know what else they could be. Um, like one picture I, I got two of them it looks like they're holding hands they're, he's sitting in a hole and they were froze when me and my buddy were walking by and I didn't know I got them I just snap pictures when I'm out there as I'm walking and then I look at them when I get home um, so you got two big and, and I have found some two, good stuff after I got you home you have two big foots holding hands did you say that yeah yeah they're reaching over a rock and they're they're like froze as we're walking by and they're not moving um you sure, you sure they're not by foots no so, i've sorry, sent buddy. that picture to you <laughs> i sent that picture to you and you just didn't you, i never got to explain them to you because um <laughs> we haven't got to see each other in person for a long time so that's true that's true that would be sasquatch and I know that those big, I know there's female Bigfoots because I am 100% convinced that my second wife's mother is an actual Bigfoot. Actually, in the Patterson photo is actually a female book, Bigfoot, is it not, Art? It is. It is. So that's why it, there's I mean, so much that's real, thing. reality why to would it, some, right? If someone was going to hoax something back then, um, who would think to come up with this stuff? Who would put breasts on a suit? You think they'd just make a suit and go out and do it? Who's going to throw boobs on it? <laughs> I would. Yeah. Well, it, you know, Jay probably yeah. would because it'd be his next. Yeah, well, we're just, we're just, we're just kind, we're just kind of messed up that way. 
Right. Yeah, Jay and I would probably put all sorts of things on that big foot. <laughs> <laughs> And just like the um the cripple foot um fo- uh photos of those uh tracks back in 1970, um who's gonna make a a, a set of casts and one have a club foot? You know, I, even the even the uh, even the Japanese and the Chinese have the Yeti. Jay, um. I mean, come on. I mean, like. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, they have different names all over the world. Oh, yeah, so they wanna, do. You want to read, read something really interesting. Down in Florida, it's Skunk Ape. Well, I knew her name was Marge. <laughs> if you want to really read an interesting story, read about the actor Jimmy Stewart. And the thing he smuggled at a temple. Read about that. It was, was it was that a, was that a skull or part of a skull? It was a finger. Oh, okay, okay. And it was it was smuggled out of a Tibetan monastery when the Chinese invaded, and. Jimmy Stewart, the actor, I believe, smuggled it in his white suitcase. And they actually got it out of the country. It's an Hmm. actual story. It's a true story. You can find it. There's actually an interview with Jimmy Stewart on it. Did it say why he did that? Well, they were, when the Chinese, when the Chinese... When the Chinese invaded Tibet, when the Chinese invaded Tibet, their idea was was to destroy all the temples. It never happened. So they were smuggling stuff out. But one wow. finger? Mm. Well, they were, yeah, well, I'm, they were, I'm, I'm with Corinne. Why? That's weird. Well, you got to remember, things like that to the Tibetan monks were, were sacred. So... Are they claiming it was the, the finger of a Yeti? They claim it was the finger of a Yeti. How long was it? About three feet. I have no idea. I have no idea. You never see the you never see the actual finger, right? But Jesus. he almost got caught. He almost got caught, and uh, it was his wife that kind of saved the day. She said and it was they a marital if, if they would have been caught, they would have been executed. Jesus. Yikes. Damn! Have you See, ever there, heard there, there's the moral of the story: never, never, never sneak anything out of China that looks like a marital aid. Well, until recently, we found out that the uh, the Dalai Lama is the kind of a, a freak. But um, his escape story is considered the greatest escape in modern history: escaping from Tibet during the Chinese takeover. He had an extra eye to work with too, so yeah. Have you ever heard the Moorhead Barry recordings? They call them the Sierra sounds. Yeah, no. Pretty, in- pretty, in- pretty interesting. It's 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 from like 1971, I think. For some reason, they're out in the 
out in the mountains in a in a hut recording stuff and there's a bunch of bigfoot vocalizations is what they're saying it is it's 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 interesting to listen to yeah i've heard sounds that um sound similar to those it's almost like they're talking it's 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 yeah bizarre. okay you need a, that you can find it here's the shit right out of you Great topic, Art. As always, uh, I always love your your uh, summations on Bigfoot and uh, the goings on. That uh, you uh, continue to pursue him, and I know one day you will probably be that guy that's on the news that says, "I found Bigfoot." Okay, not to be confused with Jay, who says, "I found the tidy ball man." Okay, so um, hey, we're gonna get into Everybody another song. Likes- Everybody likes the tidy bowl man in his little boat. <laughs> there you go. We're going to get into a classic. And uh, Jack Black and Tenacious D did a great, great remake called The Time Warp. So let's do it again on the Highway Freaks. <laughs> It's astounding, time is fleeting, madness takes its toll, but listen closely, not for very much longer, I've got to keep control. It's just a jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. You put your hands on your hips. Put your hands on your hips. Put your hands on your hips. You bring your knees in time. But it's the pelvic thrust. You really drive your wheels. Say, yeah, yeah. Let's do the time off Jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. And now step to the right. Put your hands on your hips. Put your hands on your f-ing hips. You bring your knees in time. But it's the pelvic thrust. You're really talking with jump to the left it's just a jump to the left it's just a jump to the left now put your hands on your hips put your hands on your hips put your hands on your hips
right, so that was The Time Warp by Tenacious D, and this is Corinne the Witch for the Halloween edition. I'm going to share uh, three stories that I have, personal stories, and from relatives of um, ghost experiences, I guess you could say. Um, I've seen and felt ghosts most of my life, and uh, the earliest I can remember is uh, I was probably about seven, I'm guessing, seven years old, uh, living in Edmonton. And uh, my mom was born and raised in a small town called Lamont, which is about 45 minutes northeast of Edmonton. And so we'd go out there once or twice a week to visit her mom and dad. My, I'm Ukrainian, so my Baba and Dito. And there was one uh, night we were driving back to Edmonton and mom was driving and uh, I was sitting in the back seat and this is before the seatbelt laws so I was sitting right in the middle in between mom and dad looking between them and got to a point where straight straight away on the highway and I could see uh, what I thought was a person standing in the middle of the lane uh, just kind of on the the at the end of the headlights where they were shining and mom's not slowing down and this all happens like within seconds what I'm describing and my mom's not slowing down and I'm thinking well we're gonna hit this person and I got scared and I ducked down on the floor behind the front seat and I was waiting for a bang you know hitting this person and I was sitting there and there's nothing and nothing and so I sat up and I'm peeking over the top of this, the front seat and there was nothing. And mom never applied brakes. She was just kept driving. And so that was the first experience I remember of uh, seeing a ghost. And uh, it was quite interesting. I never did share that with mom and dad. And I didn't think they would believe me, actually. And the next story I have is um, with an aunt um, who was sick and in hospital. This was in Calgary. And uh, so her sister, my Auntie Joanne, was in Edmonton and she went down to Calgary to help out my aunt, uh, my uncle and cousins. And unfortunately, Aunt Marianne passed away. And uh, so Auntie Joanne was there to help the family with with um, arrangements and just kind of look after them in their, their time of need. And they noticed that the doors were opening and closing on their own. They would have a door open and it would get closed or the vice versa. And they got so, they just made a joke of it and kept saying, no Marianne, leave the doors alone already, It's that's enough. And uh, Auntie Joanne was a smoker, and Auntie Marianne hated the fact that she smoked. And Auntie Joanne said numerous times she would have her cigarette pack sitting on a kitchen counter, and uh, she would go to have a cigarette, and uh, the pack would be moved to a different spot in the kitchen. And so she was getting mad at her sister for, even after she's passed, she's moving her cigarettes around and out of the way for her. And another thing they noticed when, uh, it was a few days after Auntie Marianne passed away, 
that the clock in their family room had stopped on the time that she passed away. And uh, all the other clocks in the house kept running except for that one. And the third story I have to share is um, a personal one with myself. Uh, back in 2020, my dad was quite ill. Um, I think he was in hospital and um, eventually ended up in, in a home. He wasn't able to go to uh, back home, to his own home again. And uh, he gradually got worse and worse, uh, was di finally diagnosed with cancer had two radiation treatments and uh, one morning his nurse called me and said um, your dad's taken a turn for the worse and um, she said you may want to think about making a trip out I was living here on Vancouver Island and dad was in Saskatchewan and I, I couldn't get there quickly like for me to drive there myself it's like a three-day trip and even to fly, it's a full day by the time you get there. And so I said to the nurse, could we arrange a Zoom meeting? Uh, we had done this through COVID and uh, with him. And she said, sure. So that afternoon, I had a Zoom meeting with dad and my oldest son joined in. And dad was in his, his hospital bed and he was kind of in and out of consciousness. And in my gut and my heart, I... I felt that he probably didn't have much much time left and I thought well we'll uh, I don't even know if he heard me when we were talking and, and that but I thought well see how the night goes and then may make plans the next day to head that way to go see him and so in the middle of the night uh, it was like 2:30 in the morning I got woken up like instantly by these two little sounds. It was like ting, ting. And I, I was like, what in the world is that? I'd never heard that sound before. So I went, managed to get back to sleep. And about a half hour later, the phone, my phone rings. So it's about three in the morning. And it's dad's nurse to uh, tell me that dad had passed away about a half hour ago. And so I got over the shock, and I didn't get back to sleep that night. And I started thinking back to that sound. And I put the relation together that those two tinging sounds were when Dad passed. And I never did hear those tinging sounds ever again in that house. So I really, I feel that, uh, like, my mom had passed away in 2002. And I think that it was her and dad came to say goodbye before they went off to heaven together. And uh, that was just that, that those two tinging sounds was them making their visit. But uh, those are my, my stories of, of um, ghost stories. And I don't have any scary ghost stories. There are more. I've never, all the times that I've experienced if you wanted to say ghosts, it's never been scary experiences yet. They've all been just calm ones, like like those ones. I didn't hear oh. any cackling. <laughs> there wasn't any laughing in the stories. 
Yeah, listen to our vice president, dude. And I didn't hear any. I didn't hear you howl either. So bark, dog. <laughs> there you are, go. Those are my nice. electric. My electric razor's doing overtime here. Oh, okay. I don't even want to know where you're taking your electric razor to or any part of your body. This is a G-rated podcast, isn't it, GM? Oh, we only actually called only freak, only freaking buy guy would bring that. We even think that it's yeah. die guy. <laughs> can't buy guy buy guy can't even leave you alone to do some manscaping. Hey, you are. Wow. I told you we'd go off the beaten track sometimes, Greg. Well, I know the next time I, I um I run into run into buy guy here. I roll the window down and lock the door and stay seated. But how did my storms turn into manscaping? Stay <laughs> seated. I don't know how, but that's, that's what I was wondering. Maybe it's because yeah. you're the witch tonight. Maybe you cast a spell I on this podcast. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay, my, so my, we got we got a classic. Used, my dad used to always tell a story about it, said he was driving through the desert and picked up a woman and he said she was for sure a witch and I said how how did you know he was a witch because she turned them both into a motel <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> nice nice Sounds like I like white. okay so next coming up is GM dead top and his topic and we're looking forward to hearing what scary movies as a kid he watched and but right now Speaking of movies and whatnot, Vincent Price did an awesome rendition with Michael Jackson called Thriller. It's next on Highway Freaks.
the show we've got uh hg wells he's gonna uh, it's gonna be the war of the woman that's gonna be the oh, war of the world i should say uh after the show and that will be coming on uh, so my topic tonight is song, uh, music uh, movies that should not have been made um it was against my better judgment as an hey, hang on generation. did you say war of the women uh, war of the woman women is that are Isn't you referring that- to your last three divorces yeah, well, no, they were not at war with each other, but they're all war with they're all at war with me. Okay, so all right. It was more of a more of a beatdown than it was anything. It wasn't really so. That that was made by by uh, by, oh, I I just lost track. Now. Okay, it was Ooh. made by H G. Oh well, H G. Wells. Yes, I don't. It's the war War of the Worlds, and it was. Uh, it was actually uh, designed back. Uh, I don't know what year it was made, but I think it was supposed to tell us what the Biden administration was going. It was. Oh, sorry. Come on, it was Orville Redenbacher, War of the Popcorn. Oh, that's what it was. The popcorn guy. Hey, Biden was alive well, then, so that's true. And I wanted to comment on Jay's uh, friend George that I know why he left because he just got sick and tired of hanging around. Hello. <laughs> Quietness. <laughs> I said I wanted to comment on Jay's story that I know why that George ghost left because he got tired Mark. of hanging around. <laughs> that was Mark. That was Mark. That wasn't. Oh, me. that was Mark. Oh, I thought that was. Well, I was uh, my. I was having technical uh, interference. Probably it's probably paranormal interference for about thirty minutes. So, so yes, on Mark. Well, you should know about. That, you should know George just as well as as well as I do. If you want to be haunted, just get a divorce. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I, I actually think the haunting starts at the marriage, at the wedding day. 
Anyway, uh, Mark, I, I enjoyed that story about George. I was intently listening, and I, and I just kept thinking to myself, well, of course you didn't. We just got tired of hanging around. Anyway, um, movies that were in the 70s. Who can tell me? This will be sort of an interactive uh, uh, topic with everybody. Anybody that was around in the 70s, can you raise your hand? Ah, I see you all did. Okay. <laughs> the Blob. Bob? The Blob. In the 50s, man. The what? The Blob. The blob. In the 50s. You're, you're, asking for, you're asking for a movie, so I said The Blob. Clearly, you weren't listening to me. I said anybody that was alive in those days raised their hand. Well, first of all, not raise my, my hand. <laughs> I said the Blob. You said what was the movie from the seventies? The Blob. No, not what blob I said. Man, I, I was just I was just trying to see if anybody on the panel was alive in the seventies that could that could relate to my topic. But then you blurred out the Blob. Well, I raised the paw. <laughs> there you go. There you go. How about The Shining? There. I'll give you oh, The Shining. I already mentioned The Exorcist. That was 1973. Uh, okay. Yeah, you guys are you know, you're just screwing me up here. Okay, well, we'll start again. Okay. So, this is the, these are the movies that I rec recall as being movies that shouldn't have been made. First one on my list. To me, it was complete horror, and it kind of goes along with uh, uh, Brian's buy or buy buy Bry's issue. Uh, it was a movie called with uh, with uh, Burt Reynolds. It was called Deliverance. Does anybody remember Deliverance? Yeah, that is the ultimate movie, man. Well, ding, 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 ding. ultimate for putting people in therapy sessions, I'm sure. Well, it's no better not to go down dirt roads in the in in the south. I'm going to have you squeal like a pig. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty never got over that as a human being. I'm sure of it. In every movie that Ned Beatty ever ever made, he kept thinking of him squealing, and it ruined his dramatic abilities. I'm sure. I bet it did. Okay, so these are my list of of, of uh, movies, and I'm going to ask everybody what their worst one was. These are the ones that were around in the '70s that shouldn't have been made for one reason or another. The Exorcist definitely was a movie that disturbing quality for sure uh and what i'm thinking is the reason for all of this is back in the 70s they don't they didn't have the technology that they have now that makes everything technologically cool or or digital or whatever they had to run around pure horror that would mess with your mind and mess with your fear as opposed to you know glazing it all up with technology so it really wasn't about the, the, the effects as much as it was the, uh, the, the, the just messing with your mind. So the exorcist, who, who would give a thumbs up to that? Show, show, everybody show us their thumbs. That was a great I movie, thought it dude. Was, I thought it was boring. Well, yeah. Did you know the exorcist I, originally had an X rating? When they yes, put it well, out? yes. Oh, I yes, wonder why. She had sex with a crucifix, for Christ's sakes. No, that was that was pretty pretty intense back then. Linda Blair right. and all that blood, blood, blood and gore makeup. I agree. So that movie was like disturbing. Deliverance and Exorcist very disturbing. But you know, a lot of people love the movies, but they're very disturbing. 
Another one, when a stranger called. Remember that one? Yeah, well, that was a true story. Oh, yeah. We Which checked the children. Worse. We checked yes. the children. Have you, have you yes. done with the babysitter and they say, yeah, have The call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that one there was disturbing. Terrible. What about, disturbing. what about a forgotten movie? A forgotten movie called Burnt Offering. Never saw that one. Well, oh, that was the that was the omen, right? No, no, no. It, it was a movie called Burnt Offering, and it was one of Betty Davis's last movies. Oh, and it just she was scaring herself. It messed messed me up as a kid. Oh yeah, many of these messed me up. That's one of the reasons I'm so messed up. How about this one? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not number five four three two, but one. The where she sucks the finger of that old dead dude, and they keep hitting him in the hand, and they, she has to hit him oh. in the head with a hammer. <laughs> oh, that was creepy. That that one that one is probably my worst one. That gave me nightmares. Oh, yeah, just week, weeks on end. I, no, I that one really scared the crap out of me. I gotta say yeah, that, that would be bad. number one in my movie. books. Yeah, I mean, it was a great movie, but it was a bad movie. Like, gotta remember, and in those days, they didn't have the digital cinema. They had right. Just sick minds in the writing, in the writing, and in the producing. Just people that were just mental. Well, it was uh, right. the original, the original uh, Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, no, exactly. no, 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 no. And uh, uh, there was another one. Uh, I spit on your grave. The original. Yeah, the original. That one was brutal. Well, that the, one was. The, the remakes are okay, but the, the, the original was brutal. Just brutal. You know, it was definitely an R rating. Okay, how about Jaws? Well, I Great still movie. don't go with play. Okay. Well, of course, that's a fake. You know that movie traumatized the shit out of me. All right? I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I wouldn't I even swim in my own swimming pool. I, in, in, in the backyard. A lot of people wouldn't. No, okay, I wouldn't. This is, it was... what happened. this is how it happened. Okay, my parents took me to the drive-in. I'm like, what, five? To see back. Okay. Not only do I completely go to pieces when Bambi's mother gets her head blown off, cry myself to sleep. So now I have already got separation issues. I wake up and here's this giant goddamn thing with teeth coming out of the water. Yep. Now I can't go swimming. Telling you, that movie should have been illegal. There was, though, a great scene in that movie, and that was the story of the USS Indianapolis. Yes. That's true. Yes. I agree with that. Okay, how about this one? Alien. Never seen it. Really? Oh, my God, you got to see that. Sigourney Weaver. Classic. I, I, hate, I hate space movies. I haven't okay, even seen... Well, I haven't even... I haven't even seen... I haven't even seen Star Wars, for Christ's sake. Oh, no, I, I, I got to agree. Aliens was terrifying in its day, for sure. Yeah, uh, especially with that snot-nosed alien when all that yeah. stuff's dripping out of the, yeah. the, the jaw. That just gives you the heebie-jeebies. How about when he climbs out of the guy's chest? That was not good either. Yeah, the no, special, not the, good at all. The special effects for that time was just amazing. How about the they thing? Were, but they didn't. They didn't have. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not done yet. I still got to get through my list. Oh. 
we'll get to the thing. I promise. We're adding to it. We're How about this one? List. How about this one, Jay? The Stepford Wives. Never oh, seen it. yeah, the, the uh, robot. Oh, that was, yeah. do you want a cup of tea, Bash? Do you want a cup of tea, Bash? Do you want a cup yeah. of tea, Bash? Oh, okay, so that was a bad one. Omen, terrible. Yeah, that one's terrible. bad. Terrible for humanity. Okay, Baby, it's uh, all for you. Yeah. How about this one? Piranha. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. Remember that one? Garbage. How about that with, the, how about huh? Is that what the fish? The only no, good the, part, it, was a, it was a story the about only a good dressed up like a piranha. Of course it was oh, the thought, fish. I thought you were talking about the fish where all the people go in that river and the piranha yeah. just chew the shit out of them. Yeah. That's it. That's oh yeah, that was terrifying. Jaws. Terrible. It was a very it was more gory than yeah. than Jaws for sure. How about it the was. dawn of the dead? Eh, zombies. Yeah. Not so scary. How about The Shining? That one's terrifying, especially oh, those two okay. kids. Yeah, one, those two okay. creepy kids in the hallway. They were more scary mm -hmm. than when Jack came through the rum, when he came rum. through the door. Yeah. yeah, red rum, red rum. Okay, the thing, of course, um, as as uh, Earth Jay Earth mentioned. Turtle. Okay, how about this one? How about? Uh, now, I don't know if you, if any of you have seen this movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's terrifying to this day. I think back of it, on it, and it was terrifying. It was a woman named Karen Black, and it was called Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they had this little fucking do voodoo doll. Yep. That come climbing out of the goddamn uh, bathtub with a goddamn knife in his mouth. I, I didn't get it. I never got to this day. I'm not over that movie, and I'm old. It's ter terrible. So you saw it, did you, Jay? Oh yeah. You remember that little voodoo doll piece of shit? <laughs> oh yeah. Jesus Christ! How, how about if it's on your list or not? But there was a movie, um, and I can't remember if it was made in '79 or '80, and it was called Mania. And it was just absolute. This guy was basically murdering people and scalping them. Yikes! Oh, jeez. And, and well, anyway, nice. there's this there's this one scene, and uh, the uh, the guy jumps up on these 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 people. These two people are parked and they're making out, and the girl hears something. And next thing you see in slow motion, this guy jumps up on the on the hood of the car, and in slow motion blows the guy's head off with a shotgun. Oh. To this day, still creeps me out because it looked so that, real. Speaking, of, yeah, absolutely. Some of the speaking of a car, how about the movie The Car? I loved it. Oh yeah, the car was great. Oh, oh yeah, I love that movie, man. Oh, the car was good. Oh, and Chris, and let's throw let's, let's throw let's throw Christine in that mix. Oh yeah, Christine, you got it. Christine was Steve. Yeah, a little later. Uh, how about this one? How about um, and this is this is not a horror movie, but I know you mentioned on it. I did one of the songs. 
Rocky Horror Picture Show was not scary, but it was definitely timely, and it was uh, it actually changed the world in a lot of ways. I mean, people for the first time, it was know, people for the first time looked at a, looked at you know Transylvania as a. It wasn't just a comedy because it was a musical, but I'm just throwing that in there as an interesting movie from the seventies. Um, that was of the transsexual now. Transylvania. Yes, um, did you watch that one, Brian? <laughs> Oh, I, I've, I've watched that movie, yes. <laughs> How about The Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Oh, yeah. The remake the original, was better. The, the remake original, was better. No way, man. The original 77, I think. That was the best. Low budget at its best. Oh, yeah. Ah. The, the, the originals were always the best. Okay, this one here... Um, is a little before the 70s, but I remember it. It it shouldn't have been made. Gave me nightmares as a youngster. Um, called the birds. Oh, yeah. oh the birds. Oh yeah, birds. yeah. that birds was creepy. Awesome. Yes. that was with uh, Tippy Tippy Hendren or whatever her name was. Yeah, it was a black and yes. white movie, but it I was yeah. It, it, it scared the living Christ right out of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah just, just one more, one more on your list, there, GM. One, One more, more on your list. It's Carrie. Oh well, yes, definitely Carrie. Carrie was 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 obscure for sure. Oh okay, yeah. my Car- God, Car- Carrie freaked me out. I have yeah, yeah. Your Especially at, at the high school when when she sets the yeah. high school on fire. Yeah. That is the most. That is one of the most terrifying scenes. Uh, she does like she just moves with her head, and oh yeah, just complete pandemonium. Oh, well, when Carrie. When they dump the lamb's blood on her, that's, that's oh yeah, terrible. Oh, the best, the best part was oh. when she killed her mom. No, no, the yeah. best part is at the very end when the hand comes up. That's oh yeah, what, yeah, that's yeah, what gets yeah. you. Corinne was going to mention yes, one. Yes, I have. Is that Corinne? I read the book first, and then the movie came out, and uh, Amityville Horror. I was yeah. just going to say, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. Right. What, what, what is the one word that everybody remembers? What are the two words that everybody remembers? That that get out. Yeah. When that get out thing, I heard that. I was hearing that out of my ex-wife, man. That that never left me. <laughs> How about Jody the pig? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Okay, there is a Malcolm... I don't know what the name of this movie is, but it was an early one, too. And Malcolm McDonald... Well, he was in Clockwork Orange, but Malcolm McDonald, McDowell was in it. Oh, yeah. And it was a movie about... It was an English movie about them making pigs and men. They were sowing pigs and men together, whatever they were doing, genetically breeding them. It was one of the weirdest movies I saw as a kid and never forgot it. But this is the one, because I know we got to get on to the next topic. This is the one that if you haven't seen this movie... Never watch it. It's way too disturbing. It is called Stentipede. Anybody ever see it? No. I've heard it. Okay. This crew of people in their little minibus or whatever the hell it is, they run they get broke down and they run away. And they end up on this mansion in the middle of nowhere. Just go in there. In the morning, so there's the, the guy answers the door and says, you can stay here for the night. Blah, 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 blah. Turns out, he's a deranged doctor, okay? He knocks them all out in their sleep. This is an actual movie. Talk about disturbing. He knocks them all out in their sleep. 
when they wake up in the morning, they're all naked and they're all a centipede. One mouth is sewn to the ass of the guy ahead of him, then his mouth is sewed to the guy to, uh, to the ass of the guy ahead of him, and then his mouth is so that's an actual movie. And there's like a bunch of them, and there's that's the way they call it centipede. And that hit, he's there, his new pet. South South Park made fun of that. Okay, now first of all, whoever thought of that concept probably should be in some sort of an insane asylum to begin with. But they actually, right. they actually made that movie, and it was disturbing to the point where you just have to really question humanity. That who the hell would come up with it? Who would invest in that movie? Okay. Well, GM, I think you've given us all nightmares for your little topic. Thank you very much. Uh, none of us will be able to sleep tonight, especially that last one. So um, I'm going to go look up movies. Yeah, well, you're going to go watch Centipede, I'm sure of it. No, no, because somebody's watching me, and why not we uh, let Rockwell tell all about it here on Highway Freaks.
interesting song about somebody's watching me. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, does anybody know who did the background vocals on that song? I think it was Herb Albert. No, Michael Jackson. Oh. He did the back background vocals on that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, we have a special guest, Count Dracula. Now he's going to do a rendition of Halloween Kills, the movie. So, Count, take it over. Good evening. I am Count Dracula, and I want to suck your blood. Enough about that. I'm here to tell you about Halloween Kills. The film starts after retired babysitter turned vigilante, Laurie Strode, her daughter and granddaughter, have all killed Michael Myers in the 2018 film Halloween. The poor guy was left in a cage in Laurie's basement, and that had been set on fire. Our hero, Michael Myers, doesn't die, of course, and sets off on his killing spree, where the death range comes from very cool, grossly bloody, to just plain funny. If you die by having a car door hit the gun that you are firing and accidentally killing yourself, then you deserve to bite it. Get it? Okay. The entire story is my boy Mike Myers kills stupid people who chase after him. After a long explanatory from... Uh, after a long explanation from the original 1978 Halloween, going back to Morbid Mike starts his killing spree. We're all zapped off to a bar where that wimpy snot-nosed grown-up punk Tommy Doyle is back. He's the wimpy-ass kid that was being babysat by Laurie Strode in the original. Now he's been sucking up beers with a group of people Michael Myers didn't quite kill and chop up. The film kicks off with my boy Mike escaping from Lori's burning house, and then she's being rushed to a hospital with some knife wounds, as my boy Mike previously had gave him. By her side is her daughter, her daughter Karen in a Christmas sweater, and her bitchy granddaughter Allison. Lori spends too much time in her hospital bed reminiscing with wounded officer Will Patton, uh, uh, Officer Hawkins, about their teenage tryst. Their fight with my guy Mike goes back a long way, you see. So our Tommy gets the people Mike didn't kill, all riled up, and forms a mob mentality in Haddonfield. Off they drive into the dark, in their hot cars and trucks, waving guns, knives, and baseball bats. Unlike them, Killer Mike knows what he's doing. But my guy Mike lines up the corpses with kitchen knives, fluorescent strip lights, chainsaws, and impaling the stupid people all kinds of ways. Gotta give Tommy Boy credit as he ends up hunting Big Bad Mike in an epic corning of him by the Haddonfield Town Police that want him dead. But what transpires in these scenes will leave you breathless. Ultimately, Halloween Kills is a worthy sequel and continues the original story as it ups the violence and gave you or Count Dracula approving of this one. Anytime I see more blood on the silver screen, it makes me crave it all the more. The Strode Woman... Lori, her daughter, and Lori's granddaughter continue to be the main characters in the story of Michael Myers. But one of them goes missing in this movie. But the Haddonfield police, the town people, and their hate for my guy Mike is quite apparent here. Mike still proves he's an unstoppable evil force that will probably survive to the next Halloween sequel movie. On a scale of five air fresheners, your Count Dracula gives this four out of five. Okay, so now we're going to do our Halloween Ends movie review. Uh, now, this movie begins with a beleaguered babysitter, Corey Cunningham, played by Rohan Campbell. 
2019, Myers has all but disappeared from Haddonfield, but remains in the public consciousness. Corey is roped into babysitting a little brat by a rich, well-to-do family. This little punk pranks his babysitter, but the kid ends up dead from the bad fall, and Corey is the new evildoer in Haddonfield. Life for Laurie Stroh, Jamie Lee Curtis, has taken a better turn lately. Despite her losses that up to her daughter, Karen, uh, previously paid, played by Judy Greer, going to therapy, quitting drinking, and now living with her granddaughter, Allison, um, who also was played by... Oh, I screwed this up. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to edit that part. By Andy Matichuk. Okay. Andy Matichuk. There we go. Also, writing a book about Myers is ongoing therapy for her. Back to young Corey, who was relentlessly bullied and beaten by some particularly nasty Haddonfield High School seniors. Corey must meet Allison, of course, who is working as a nurse in a local clinic, attending to his previous wounds from the beating. At this point, the movie goes into another direction, focusing on Corey, the weird love relationship with Lori's granddaughter, Allison. The director, David Gordon Green, does a fantastic job of making Corey the new Haddonfield boogeyman. He just seems to fall over himself, killing people along the way. Then Corey digs up a very quiet and unassuming Michael Myers that's sitting in a bit of, uh, I guess we could call it a... Uh, underneath a pipe, uh, underneath the ground. It's then that Corey becomes Michael Myers' protege and his revenge for killing begins. Starting with these that wronged Corey, some seniors will not graduate Haddonfield High School this year. And then it carries on. Unfortunately, after Corey puts on the mask, it's old reminiscent of Michael Myers that he says no. That is back to his killing, and the killing spree now begins with Michael Myers. After an amazing scene where the new killer has the unavoidable chance of being eliminated, the film goes into an inedible, the inedible direction of Laurie Strode against her old nemesis, Michael Myers. So the long-awaited and final showdown begins. It's both satisfying and incredibly overwhelming. In terms of choreography, it's great for violence and blood and gore. Neither parties are holding back. Lori and Michael are both determined to end either in this fight at the final, and it shows. If I had one complaint, it was the fight scene was way too short and too much to the near end of the movie. It needed to be longer, more gorier, and definitely more violent in my opinion. However, the final outcome is that there is no way Michael Myers can survive this film as to the outcome of his demise. It's fitting that the whole town of Haddonfield comes back to pay their final respects to their fallen evil entity, Michael Myers. There is no doubt that this is the final Halloween installment Jamie Lee Curtis will ever do. But you can bet Halloween with different Michael Myers will never end. I am sure the Rob Zombies of the horror world will pick up the carving knife once again. On a scale of five air fresheners, I give Halloween ends three out of five. Okay, so uh, just a few things before we do our pylon shoutouts. Um, just want to mention that we have Dirty Dan making his debut next Thursday night. Dirty Dan will be joining the panel. And one more thing, Bry Guy's eye-opener show, the interview show that we do, is back. And uh, we are going to feature... Brian Vollmer, uh, the lead singer of Helix on November the 15th. So really looking forward to that. Okay, so I'm going to ask some spooky questions to everybody here tonight. 
And the first one I want to ask, okay, anybody can answer. If you were given the death penalty, what would be your last meal? So GM, let's get a rapid fire question. Go ahead. Uh, Pop-Tarts, Mountain Dew, and grapes. Okay. J-Man? If I was on death row, about to get my, get, uh, ride the lightning, steak and lobster, I think. Okay. All right. I think, well, it sure shit ain't going to be craft dinner and wieners. Right. Especially in your Instapot. You're about to in the witch. You're about to fry my me. What would be your last meal, Corinne? Uh, I would have to go with Alaskan king crab, lobster, as much other seafood as I could get. And, uh, yeah. Sounds tasty. Yeah, I'd go for the fancy seafood. Okay. Ghost Hunter Greg, are you still on? Yeah, I'm here. I would have okay. to say probably a steak or true Texas brisket. Okay. And your your die guy will be obviously the pork chops with Cavendish fries and New York style cheesecake. That would be mine. Okay. One more question. What do you want etched on your tombstone when you die? GM. Never get married. Okay. Corinne. I'm not sure that's too short a notice. <laughs> something, yeah. It's rapid fire. Oh, something about biking for sure. Motorbiking. Okay. So, uh, born to be wild? Yeah, born to be wild. That sounds good. What? Okay. Greg? Here lies Greg and suck it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Pav? So I will write down, be right back in like three, two, one, and disconnect. Like how Paul <laughs> cut down. Okay. <laughs> what? It will say, it will say uh, reconnecting three, two, one, and then say disconnect or network okay. error or something, you know? Control okay. delete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> okay. Question number three. If you were to commit murder, how would you go about it? GM. I would put them all to sleep and I would show their mouth to the next in, in front of them's butt. Okay. <laughs> watching movies, man. J-Man, the werewolf snarl. How would you oh, go about man. it? Man, how would I bump somebody off? Oh, I think about that a lot. That's scary. Oh, I'm thinking out loud, sorry. I didn't say that. Um, I would probably, if I was going to bump somebody off, I would probably throw them face first through a wood chipper. Ooh. Ghost Hunter Greg. I mean, never to go to your place, Jay. <laughs> Ghost Hunter Greg, how would you do that? Uh, I would probably give them a pistol and then I would start reading War and Peace. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. Okay, Corinne. That's a, that's a good one. What would you do and how would you secret. do it? Oh. oh okay. No comment. She's going to show up at your door and say, remember that question? Okay. Yeah. Okay. How about Maybe you? I think, how I about think you? 
<laughs> yeah, right. How about you, purely evil Pav? If you were to commit a murder, how would you go about it? Bro, I'm a brown guy. If I said something, I will see tomorrow cops in front of my house, okay? <laughs> Let's not go there. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Watch>, right. <laughs> okay. okay. Me, I'm lost. This is what I do, okay? I get in my big rig, and all those people that I dislike... I would take my truck. I would make sure that they were working, and then I would drive through that building. Ooh, that you going to damage more? The the whole kill dozer thing. <laughs> That's yeah, right. yeah. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Pretty cool. Why <laughs> do Why do I have a feeling after tomorrow we're all going to be under investigation? Okay. All right. Okay. Here's a good. Here's another one. How do you think you will die, Gia? Not breathing. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say my ex-wife will team up No, the manner in which you will. I think I will die probably of uh, probably laughter or sex. One of the two will kill me. Pretty sure. <laughs> so, so funny sex, funny sex, yeah, Com comical sex, the kind of shit that you don't expect when you're having sex. Like shit just happens, and then you, then it's over because it's something just happened that was too goddamn funny to, to to overlook. Okay, Corinne, how do you think you'll die? Hmm. Oh goodness. Well, hopefully, it's doing something I enjoy, like riding my motorbike. <laughs> So you die on your motorbike. Better, better than okay, kind of, kind of like uh, the Sons of Anarchy, where he just puts his arms out and he just no, goes no, right no, into a semi. That's called suicide. I wouldn't do that. But uh, no, I'd sooner have okay. something like that All than right. be sick with cancer for years and years or anything like that. Okay. How about being eaten by a shark? No, I, I don't like swim that? in the ocean, so that won't happen. What if we brought to the shark? What if we brought the shark to you? Land shark. Land shark. <laughs> Land shark. J-Man the snarl. How do you think you will die? How about I tell you how I know I'm gonna die? Oh, oh okay. let's hear it. Oh, it's a premonition. I already <laughs> seen it. I, I I I dreamt it. Okay, let's hear it. Truck wreck. Oh. Okay, all right. That That's that would just make morbid. sense. That would make sense. Okay, yeah, Ghost I Hunter think... Greg. Uh, well, I used to always think he'd probably be fighting fires, but since I don't do that anymore, um, I don't know, maybe filming a porn movie. <laughs> okay, in a porn movie. <laughs> okay, on his seven uh, acres. Uh, a midget porn movie. <laughs> oh. oh. Hey, now we're talking. Now we're talking great shit, right there. Let me guess. Let me guess. Her bra breaks and her fake tits take your head off. Because <laughs> the it was the wonder bra. Oh, you know how you're gonna ah. die. Your you're gonna have a midget. You're gonna be doing it. You're gonna be doing a helicopter. You're gonna punch you in the face and knock you out. Let's ask our producer Pav. Probably get a. How do you think you'll out. die, Pav? Honestly speaking, I never thought about that till now, man. Seriously saying. But, okay, uh, uh, I don't think there is something that I probably, because I love skydiving and all those shits, maybe the parachute will never open and uh, this that will be last skydive or something like that. 
I don't know. Okay. Man. All right. <laughs> but Just I make sure you land on your enemy, right? If your shoot <laughs> yeah. isn't open. Okay. How do you think Bry Guy will die? Well, I'll tell you how I'd like to die. Okay. In the arms of a beautiful woman making love and having a massive heart attack. Oh, so there you go. Oh, and that brings back fucking uh, a nightmare for me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I was working with my cousin, Brad, and we he was uh, working for the coroner's office, and we went on a call to pick up a deceased guy. And it's actually kind of funny because the guy was an 87-year-old man, and he died having sex with his 80-year-old mistress. Oh. Okay. I can, All I right. Can, I can tell you the bad last... way about dying that time is, it, is that's okay to die having sex with his mistress, but it's that Scottish guy that, you know, with the with the, with the goat. That's the guy. The goat. Well, you know oh, why geez. they take you know why they take him up to a cliff, don't you? <laughs> I think I've heard it, but tell us. Well, because the goat pushes back. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes! <laughs> Okay. You know why the All right. The, wears, the, you know the why last. The Scottish wear kilts, don't you? Okay. What? You know why the Scottish wear kilts, don't you? No. Not so they don't scare the sheep. Oh. Sheep can hear a zipper Jeez. a mile away. Right. All right. Next question. Which <laughs> Which Stephen King movie did you like the most, and why? Okay. Ghost Hunter Greg. Hmm. I'm not. The hugest fan of Stephen King, honestly. Mm. Okay, but if you had to pick one, what do you got, Craig? Pick one. Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, was The Shining Stephen King? Yep. 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 Yeah, yep. it, ha it sure. had to be that one because. I okay. All right, Corinne. Which Stephen King movie do you like the most? And why? I would probably say The Shining as well. I'm not really, I'm not really oh, wow. uh, a fan of his either, but I did. See, I saw that one a okay. number of times, and I enjoyed that one. Okay. All right, GM Dead Top. Uh, Pumping Irene. Oh no, wait a minute, that was Stephen Long. Quinty. Uh, <laughs> what? What? Quinty. They were about the big dog. Cujo. I thought it was Kunti, Cujo. sorry. Cujo. <laughs> Cujo. Oh, my God. Cujo. Oh, jeez. I don't even... Oh, my God. Okay. That's almost I... as bad as evil and evil. I, so I, I think mine would be maximum overdrive. When all the machines turn on the people and that evil truck with the green goblin on it. That is just creepy as, as all, all get up. How about you, Pav? What uh, Stephen King movie would you rate as your favorite? Man, there's like a couple of them. I would say, do you guys see the movie It? About that Pennywise? Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. That movie, as a kid, I don't want anyone to watch. <laughs> no, no, no clowns. And no clowns oh, on man. this show. <laughs> Seriously, the, both, both the parts of that movie was really good. Oh shit! After that, I stopped going in the rain. You know, once I saw that movie, I'm like, nope, I'm better inside. 
Or no uh, there was another one was like Boogie Man, if I'm not wrong. That was also really good. Uh-huh. And, and uh, there was one more movie. Uh, something, uh, Children of the Corn. Something. I don't remember the proper name. Children of the Corn and something like that. Oh my God! Really, really oh, good. Oh, Children of the Corn. Yeah. yeah. It's an old movie. Oh right? yes. It, ooh, that yeah. was cre- that was creepy too. That was creepy that, too. That was I think only movie that I saw which was from 90s because I don't watch old movies that much. But yeah, man, really good one. That was okay. All right, next question. All right. What is the worst and brutal way to die? GM. Uh, getting married to a dominatrix queen. <laughs> I knew that answer was going to come. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Hunter Greg. Oh, man. Uh, being buried into a bunch of dead people when you're alive. That would be horrible. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Corinne. I'm going between in a fire and drowning. Okay. Alright. J-Man the werewolf snarl. I haven't heard you howl tonight yet. Alright. What's your answer? I would have to say... Uh, being thrown face first into a wood chopper? No, wake, waking up at waking up at your own autopsy. <laughs> okay, it's Half. happened. It's happened. Okay, oh, gotta, in gosh. the interest of time, we're we're doing rapid questions here. Pav, what is the most worst and brutal way to die? Okay, so in one of the game. To kill a guy, what you have to do is to find him. He was hiding in those uh, toilets that you have on the construction side. So they lock the toilet up, pick it up, put it in a hole, and put the concrete on the top. You know. Oh jeez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't That's ask a heavy right there. Yeah, don't ask me why I was playing that game, but yeah. <laughs> that was the, the I I think I got to go with the jaws. The shark ripping you apart is a horrible way to die because it's painful, excruciating, and horrifying so i'm going to go with a shark attack okay so in the zombie apocalypse what would be your weapon of choice gm i would actually use a zombie by the ankles and i'd spin him around and knock about 10 of them dead <clears throat> which so what weapon are you using zombie zombie itself. grabbing one of the zombies by the ankles and start swinging oh you're using another zombie okay yeah Okay, Corinne, what's your weapon of choice? Oh, goodness. Maybe my crossbow, my compound bow that I have. Ooh. Ooh. She's yeah, already ready for that, man. Yeah, I got She's my already bow ready, bow yeah. My bed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you gonna kill a burglar with a fucking crom- compound bow? Why not? <laughs> Quiet. Oh, okay. Ghost Hunter Greg would be your weapon of choice, taking out the zombies. I have to say, since I watched a lot of The Walking Dead, of course, and yeah. I have thought about this. The most common ammunition you're likely to find would be 22 caliber. So I would say a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle. Okay. Take off their heads, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Jay, what about you? How are you gonna, oh. What's your weapon of choice? The zombies are coming. 
crossbow. Crossbow. Okay. With a nice with a nice broad head on it. That way okay. you're never out of ammunition because you can always get your ammo back. Okay. Pav, how are you going to take out the the zombies? They're coming after you. Man, I'm a gamer. I already have a katana with me, you know. A sword that is the best weapon that you can use against zombies. I okay. went at it one at the auction in Alberta. So yeah, I'm already ready. I'm going with the flamethrower. I'm <laughs> I'm going to grab a massive flamethrower and I'm going to bake those suckers. So I can't I'm, believe nobody said C4. Out of nine people or eight people, nobody said C4. Really? Yeah, but you're going to Yeah, but you would eventually run out of ammo. Yeah, that's why you used the many See, me and, see like, me and me and Corinne got it made. We can go and yep. get our, our arrow back. <laughs> hey, I got it made. Yeah, have to have once a detonation sourced. You might have to take some gooey stuff off the arrow, but okay, next question. <laughs> but, but hang on. I, I like to make it as an intelligent statement. I'm the one that wouldn't be screwed because I could always just grab another zombie by the ankle. <laughs> bro, bro, anyone can do that thing. You know what we have? <laughs> yeah, but That's they the might too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next question. Okay, what do you want your last words to be before you die? GM. Your last words fuck. before you die. Fuck no. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, I need to bleep it out so your last word will not be peep. No. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Ghost Hunter Greg. It would probably be my favorite saying, which would be, it's better be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Okay. <laughs> GM Black, or I should say Corinne. Oh, I would have to say telling my, my kids that I love them. That's nice. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's nice. I feel J-Man. You touched. You touched. You touched oh GM. <laughs> I am gonna. I am, I am gonna take a page from my favorite guy. Okay. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> funny. All right. Have what's your last words before probably, you kick the bucket? As a gamer, probably I'll say game over. <laughs> okay. okay, mine's gonna be. Ugh. Oh God! I <laughs> sure that's not what you're gonna say before you orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Next, if you had to chop off a piece of your body, which would you choose and why? Tia. Yeah, that's a loaded question. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take a piece uh, I, of off your body. Which would you choose and why? My body. I would probably take off my. Um. Well, I think that I whatever I did take off I would be probably uh, not one to be talking about on this show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why you take that off, but anyway. Because, because whoever I was with, they probably want it. They'd probably stick it in a box. Okay. Corinne, what what part of your body would you lose I and why? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Gotta I'm pick... just take off one of your boobs. Come on. 
Try to pick one. <laughs> pick one. Oh my goodness. A little toe. I don't know. There you go. That's yeah. No. I can't miss a little toe. I agree. Okay. Ghost hunter Greg. Now, actually, your middle toe has a lot, to, or your little toe has a lot to do with your balance. I was going to say oh. probably like one of my middle toes because it really does nothing. Okay, oh, middle you. toe. Okay. Why would that? Why, why, why would you cut off? Why would you cut off the one that goes wee 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 all the way home? <laughs> all right. That's what part are you gonna? What 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 are you gonna cut off there, Jay? Uh, off your body. Well, considering that you know, I would if I was if I had to, guns to the head, cut off. You gotta cut something off. I'd cut off my left leg. Well, why? <laughs> I, why? I, I want to hear this. I definitely want why? to hear this. Well, here's why. Trucks are all automatic, so I wouldn't. I'd still be able to work. And I could get a long jacket, put a peg leg on, and pretend I'm a pirate. Jesus. Okay, that is I have a question for All right. Okay. Pav, what part of your body are you going to chop off and why? I will go for a smart dress. Maybe my nails or hair. They will grow back. Very good. Very good. Okay. That's now, I'll tell you what I'm going to Tell you, tell you what I'm going to take. I have this middle toe and it hooks. It's got a hook on it. And I cut that thing off because I've been told if I break it, it would be painful. So I just cut it off. It'd be gone. I wouldn't care about okay. it. It's in, it's in the middle. Who cares? Right? <laughs> I, would, I would never get a, get rid of the baby toe. That's the toe that finds the furniture in the dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So we're going to get to a song and then we're going to do some more rapid fire and then we're going to do our pylon shout outs for the night. And then, of course, coming up is H.G. Wells from Orson Wells, the original 1938 broadcast of War of the Worlds. Here is Scary Monsters by the original classic David Bowie. Okay. So. We got a couple more few crazy questions. This is kind of fun. Okay. So I'll come back. Three, two, one. Okay. So you're going to have a seance. Okay. Who are you going to bring back? Why? GM Blacktop. Well, I think I'd probably bring back uh, Cytheria. She was one of the, she was a, pornographic actress that was really awesome in the 80s. <laughs> Why? Why did I know that was coming? Because, well, I can't, really, I can't really tell you why. Let's just say that she was really good at making things rain. <laughs> Ghost Hunter Greg, who are you bringing back in a seance and why? Oh, wow. Uh, Stephen Hawking. He's, he's a guy that's always huh. really interested me. I've always had a lot yep. of interest in physics. Okay. Well. It'd be great to All right. him. Okay. All right. Oh, this one's going to... I cannot even wait to hear this. Jay, man, the werewolf snarl. Who are you bringing back oh, and why? I know who you're thinking I'm going to bring back, but I'm not going to bring... I'm not going to bring Mr. Wayne back. Wow. Who? 
Harry Houdini. Oh, really? really? Oh, that's why. Because to this day, every Halloween night since his death, people have been trying to contact him. Okay. Interesting. Kate. He's got call waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Corinne, who are you bringing back in a seance and why? This one personal. My mom. She died at a she died at a young age. She's fifty eight. And I miss her. I'd like to talk to her again. Okay. All right. You gotta touch everybody's heart all the time, Corinne. Okay. (laughs) So purely evil pab from the halloween howlers podcast who you picking to come back in a seance tonight uh would bring my favorite movie star ed warren probably you guys heard about them from the movie conjuring if you ever saw that one oh my god okay. that was the couple who used to talk with ghosts probably okay. like oh shit man i would have bring them back and talk with them a lot of stuff you know <laughs> okay so and who am I bringing back in a seance and who would, what would be the reason? Well, I would probably bring back my original father because I've always heard about him. I've, I've never seen a picture of him. I've been told I'm like him. And um, I would go with a personal note like uh, Corinne. I would uh, you know, want to talk to him and, and see what he was all about. So that's who I'd bring back. You so, touched my heart too, man. That's good. Aw. There you go. Thank you. Nice. Okay. All right. So, another rapid fire question. Okay. How often do you think about death and what do you think is on the other side of it? GM Blacktop oh or GM now Dead Top? Now, good top. Now we're getting, now we're getting. Um, how do I think about death? I think death is uh, just, I believe your spirit just leaves your body and just oozes into the atmosphere and, uh, uh, where you go is probably uh, depending on what the wind velocity is that day and how far you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Corinne, um, how about you? I think about it off and on because both my parents are gone. And um, I'm not sure what I think. I'm Christian, but I'm not sure what I think what happens after. I think we'd get... Like to peaceful okay. place, if you want to say heaven, some people say that. My mom had an interesting analogy of things is that she always considered this, like earth, to be hell, and when we die, we go to heaven and, and the, to a peaceful place. So. Good analogy. Very good. How about you, Jay? How often do you think about death on the other side of it? of reincarnation Um, basically because I know that I'm going to come back as me you're going to come back as you? oh yeah I'm going to have to relive this crap again (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) ghost hunter Greg now this one is going to be interesting because I think you're thinking of Groundhog Day (laughs) I definitely want to hear Greg's answer on this one. Well, he was talking about reincarnation. My dad always said he wanted to be reincarnated as a girl's bicycle seat. Oh, yeah. 
Everybody, I think my, I think everybody's father said that. Um, yeah, of course. You know, with with the things I've dealt with in in my life, you know, firefighting, EMS, the losses that I've had with uh, my dad and my sister, of course, and dealing with my mom, I think about it quite a bit. I think every morning when I go in to give her her medication, you know, is she going to be alive or not? So uh, it's something I definitely think about quite often <laughs> funny story people always say oh the world's going to hell the world's going to hell and i always say well that's fine because i already got my room key mm-hmm. okay wow okay that's deep how are you there pav one of his speaking about till now i never thought about that that much but probably after we die for another adventure we'll have to fight for hell or heaven i guess not sure uh, but yeah, let's see. We will have hope we'll never find out. But yeah, let's see what's going to happen. So you don't you don't believe in the Allah theory and uh, all the hundred different virgins there? No, because I'm not a Muslim, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I'm from Punjab, man. I'm not Muslim. Man. I don't know Allah theory. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's see what's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's and here's this is the truth. Your bra guy's ultimate fear is dying. That is my ultimate fear. And um, after losing a lot of my dogs, I truly think there is a heaven, and I hope that that's where I go. But yes, that is my ultimate fear because death is death. It's finite. It's 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 blackness. It's darkness. It's done. And I don't want to become worm food. So that's kind of what I think about. My my okay. Dad. My dad taught me so many things. One of the things he used to always say, if, if you're going to be stupid, just remember that death is a very long time. My grandfather was Texas, and he said that to never trust anything. We can bleed, bleed for five days and survive. So I didn't, I still to this day don't get that. But So it's time for the pylon shout outs. And we're going to play one final song when we get back. We all have some pylon shoutouts on our Halloween Howlers podcast, number 52. And we're looking forward to the War of the Worlds shortly after this. And of course, here's Ghostbusters from Ray Parker Jr. on Highway Freaks. Straight. 
some pylon shout outs gm you got a pylon shout out tonight yeah go ahead well uh red pylon goes to cytheria for a nice memory uh blue pylon goes to um no it's probably not a blue pylon and the black pylon probably goes to the guy that wrote the movie centipede Corinne, what's your pylons tonight? I don't have a blue or red one, but um, after what I heard on the radio the other morning, I'm going to hit the grocery stores again, or the grocers with a black pylon, because apparently um, the food bank visits have increased quite a bit, uh, the highest they've ever had before, because people can't afford to buy food, and because, well, everything is increased. And so I want to hit the grocery stores with it again this week. All right. Ghost Hunter Greg, our newest arrival to the podcasts. What would be your pylons? 
uh, the red and the blue, I'm not really sure. The black would probably be for the SOB that took my sister away. Okay. Yeah, I get you. All right. Uh, Jay, what's your pylons tonight? Well, I think I'm going to give pylons out to you guys. This has been one hell of a show. A real good time. I think we did well. Sweet. Just, okay. just a question, Dan. Did I get the black pile on? I'm just like, well, don't let sure it I go to you. Don't, I knew it was going to go to his head. <laughs> I got the pink one. Right. He's going to have to okay. grease his ears now so he can walk through a doorway. And Pav, you always have some pylons. What's yours? I would give blue one to my brother-in-law. He's been really helpful lately because now there's snow in Calgary and I'm not a guy who can drive in snow at all. Yeah, he helped me with a lot of stuff. Uh, red one to my friend. He was helping me with my work. And I don't think I have any black one so far because I'm not buying any groceries. So I don't know the price and stuff. But yeah, that's the two I have right now. <laughs> Okay. You can throw the black one at me, Pap. I, I get told I'm an asshole all the time. Oh, man. So, uh, what I can say, you have no idea how hard it will be for me to edit everything that he's saying. Okay. So, Articus <laughs> is still on. Um, we're going to ask him if he's uh, got some pylons to give out as well. Hmm. I don't even really know what they are. I've been kind of dozing off here. Okay. <laughs> all right. A red is a red to reiterate. A red is for a woman that did you well. A blue is for a guy, and a black is for someone that pissed you off. I got lots of black. <laughs> okay, we're we're ending the show, Art. We're not starting it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd say I'm gonna sit this one out. I'd okay. have figured. I'd have figured Art would have given a black pylon to Bigfoot for being so elusive. There you go. I agree. There you go. Uh, I don't hold that against him. Yeah, you're oh. working hard, buddy. Hey, hey, Art, if you're looking for someone to give a black pylon to, can I give you my? You can give one to one of my ex-wives if you like. Okay, I got two of so, those myself. Oh, okay. my pylons. After the week I've had. Hmm. Would a guy named Asim be one of them? On a black, I think maybe. Would another by by the name of James be one? That'd be another one. Um, I'm not gonna reiterate or explain why. I'm just gonna give you those, and that's all I'm gonna say. Cause I gotta be politically correct. Okay. So, as far as the blue one goes, I'd like to thank Ghost Hunter Greg. He was uh, a welcome addition to the show. Uh, my buddy Art Articus, a very welcome addition to the show as well. So, um, and Greg, looking forward to more from you next week uh, when uh, we will have our regular podcast show back. And uh, you're more than welcome to uh, come in with a different topic. So, you. yeah, you're more than welcome. Okay. And I give a red to Corinne and Aaron who did a fantastic job on the female end of our podcast because they always add that, that, uh, that uh, how do I put it, that flavor to the show. So you guys get those podcast uh, pylons tonight. So there we go. You're more than welcome. 
you're more than welcome. So this has been a blast. It's been a real fun show tonight. Um, I had to get rid of uh, the Halloween podcast. It was my kryptonite. Uh, we did one last year, and well, Jay and I know how that one turned out, and I'm sure Art does know as well because he was there. So finally, I got rid of my kryptonite. I was able to overcome that. So um, thank you, guys, everybody. If you so, go back, if you go back to that Halloween podcast, you could bask in mine and art's awesomeness but oh, my guy, man, i don't want to hear about it what happened <laughs> oh Gee, it just inv- it just involved a zombie and a mason jar. Uh, we'll leave it at that yeah. zed Z- zombie zed yeah <laughs> i want to hear jay's version no we don't want to hear that Okay, so we're going to get into the last part of the podcast. If you guys have stuck around, um, we've got a great original 1938 broadcast from Orson Welles, and it's called War of the Worlds, and good night, everybody, you freaks, and may the good news and evil news be all yours. (laughs) Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Happy Happy Halloween. Story. That was Happy awesome. La Vista. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his lab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash He caught on in the flash He did the mash He did the monster mash From the laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from the humble abodes To get a jolt from my electrodes They did the mash They did the monster mash The monster mash it was a graveyard smash They did the mass He caught on in a flash They did the mass They did the monster mass Zombies were having fun The party had just begun The guests included Wolfman Dracula and his son The scene was rocking All were digging the sounds Igor on chains backed by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive With the vocal group The Crypt Kicker 5 They played the mass They played the monster mass The monster mass It was a graveyard smash They played the mass He caught on in a flash They played the mass They played the monster mass Coffin drags voice did ring Seems he was troubled by just one thing He opened the lid and shook his fist and said Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the past, it's now the monster mass The monster mass, when it's a graveyard smash It's now the past, it caught on in a flash It's now the past, we're still the monster mass Now everything's cool, drags part of the band Monster Mash is the hit of the land For you, the living this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them Boris and you Then you can mash, then you can Monster Mash Monster Mash, and do my 
present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Welles. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of the Mercury Theater and star of these broadcasts Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet across an immense ethereal gulf, minds that are to our minds as ours are to the beasts in the jungle, intellects, vast, cool, and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 39th year of the 20th century came the great disillusionment. Near the end of October, business was better. The war scare was over. More men were back at work. Sales were picking up. On this particular evening, October 30th, the Crosley service estimated that 32 million people were listening in on radios. The next 24 hours, not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Nova Scotia, causing a low-pressure area to move down rather rapidly over the northeastern states, bringing a forecast of rain accompanied by winds of light gale force. Maximum temperature 66, minimum 48. This weather report comes to you from the Government Weather Bureau. We take you now to the Meridian Room in the Hotel Park Plaza in downtown New York, where you will be entertained by the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. From the Meridian Room in the Park Plaza Hotel in New York City, we bring you the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. With a touch of the Spanish, Raymond Raquello leads off with La Campanita.
Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello playing for you in the Meridian Room of the Park Plaza Hotel situated in downtown New York. that never loses favor, the ever-popular Stardust, Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, the Government Meteorological Bureau has requested the large observatories of the country to keep an astronomical watch on any further disturbances occurring on the planet Mars. Due to the unusual nature of this occurrence, we have arranged an interview with a noted astronomer, Professor Pearson, who will give us his views on this event. In a few moments, we will take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, New Jersey. We return you until then to the music of Ramon Raquello and his orchestra. now to take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astronomer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton. I'm, I'm standing in a large semicircular room, pitch black except for an oblong spread in the ceiling. Through this opening, I can see a sprinkling of stars that cast a kind of frosty glow over the intricate mechanism of the huge telescope. Picking sound you hear is the vibration of the clockwork. Professor Pearson stands directly above me on a small platform, peering through the giant lens. I'll ask you to be patient, ladies and gentlemen, during any delay that may arise during our interview. Besides the ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Pearson may be interrupted by telephone or other communications. During this period, he is in constant touch with the astronomical centers of the world. Professor, may I begin our questions? At any time, Mr. Phillips. Professor. Would you please tell our radio audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Nothing unusual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. A red disk swimming in the blue sea. Transverse stripes across the disk. Quite distinct now because Mars happens to be at the point nearest the Earth, in opposition, as we call it. In your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pearson? Huh. Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Safe. Although, that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then, you're quite convinced, as a scientist, 
That living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? I'd say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for these gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Philip, I cannot account for it. Well, by the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from the Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. <laughs> well, that seems a safe enough distance. Uh, just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Someone has just handed Professor Pearson a message. While he reads it, let me remind you that we, we are speaking to you from the observatory in Princeton, New Jersey, where we are interviewing the world-famous astronomer Professor Pearson. Uh, one moment, please. Professor Pearson has passed me a message which he has just received. Uh, Professor, may I read the message to the listening audience? Certainly. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read you a wire addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Gray of the Natural History Museum, New York. Quote, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Seismograph registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring within a radius of 20 miles of Princeton. Please investigate. Signed, Lloyd Gray, Chief of Astronomical Division. Unquote. Professor Pearson, could this occurrence possibly have something to do with the disturbances observed on the planet Mars? Well, hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of unusual size, and its arrival at this particular time is merely a coincidence. However, we shall conduct a search as soon as daylight permits. Thank you, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past ten minutes, we've been speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, noted astronomer. This is Carl Phillips speaking. We are returning you now to our New York studio. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Toronto, Canada. Professor Morse of Macmillan University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45 p.m. and 9.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m. a huge flaming object believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we'll have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a word picture of the scene as soon as he can reach there from Princeton. In the meantime, we take you to the Hotel Martinet in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millette and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. Take you now to Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, out at the Wilmot Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson and myself made the 11 miles from Princeton in 10 minutes. Well, I hardly know where to begin. To paint for you a word picture of a strange scene before my eyes, like something out of a modern Arabian night. Well, I just got here. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. I... Yes, that's it. Yes, I guess that's the thing directly in front of me. Half buried in a vast pit. Must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered with splinters of a tree. It must have struck on its way down. But I can see the object itself doesn't look very much like a meteor. At least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. Has a diameter of, um, um, what would you say, Professor Pearson? What's that? 
Uh, what would you say? Uh, what's the diameter of this? About 30 yards. About 30 yards. The metal on the sheath is, well, I've never seen anything like it. The color is sort of yellowish-white. It's curious. Spectators now are pressing close to the object in spite of the efforts of the police to keep them back. They're getting in front of my line of vision. Uh, uh, would you mind standing one side, please? While the policemen are pushing the crowd back. Here's Mr. Wilmoth, owner of the farm here. He may have some interesting facts to add. Mr. Wilmoth, uh, would you please tell the radio audience as much as you remember of this rather unusual visitor that dropped in your backyard? Uh, a step closer, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Wilmoth. Well, I was listening to the radio. Uh, closer and louder, please. Pardon me? Uh, louder, please, closer. Yes, I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsy. That professor fellow was talking about Mars, so I was half dozing and half... Yes, yes, Mr. Wilmoth, and uh, then what happened? Well, as I was saying, I was listening to the radio kind of halfway... Yes, Mr. Wilmoth, and then you saw something. Well, not first off. I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound like this. Uh, kind of like a 4th of July rocket. Yes, then what? I turned my head out the window and would have sworn I was asleep and dreaming. Yes. I've seen a kind of greenish streak and then zingo. Something smacked the ground, knocked me clear out of my chair. Well, were you frightened, Mr. Wilmot? Well, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I was kind of riled. Well, thank you, Mr. Wilmot. Thank you very much. Yeah, you want me to tell No, that's quite all right. That's plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Mr. Wilmot, owner of the farm, where this thing has fallen. I wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked in a field in back of us, and the police are trying to rope off the roadway leading into the farm, but it's no use. They're breaking right through. The car's headlights throw an enormous spotlight on the pit where the object's half buried. Now, some of the more daring souls now are venturing near the edge. Yeah, the silhouettes stand out against the metal sheen. <laughs> One man wants to touch the thing. He's having an argument with the policeman. Now, the policeman wins. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned in all this excitement, but it's becoming more distinct. Perhaps you've caught it already on your radio. Listen, please. Do you hear it? It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. I'll uh, move the microphone nearer. Here. Now, we're not more than 25 feet away. Uh, can you hear it now? Uh, Professor Pearson? Yes, sir. Uh, can you tell us the meaning of that scraping noise inside the thing? Possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I say, do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? I don't know what to think. The uh, metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Uh, not found on this Earth. Friction with the Earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and... You can see a cylindrical oh, shape. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw and the thing must be hollow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I, I've ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Someone's crawling someone out of something. I can see turning out of that black hole through luminous disks. The eyes, it might be a face. Might be almost there. Oh, heavens, something wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one and another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body. Now it's large. It's large as a bear. It's glistens like wet leather, but that face. It, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is that's kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips. It seems to oh, quiver and pulsate and... Monster or whatever it is can hardly move. It 
He's weighed down by uh, possibly gravity or something. The thing's rising up now, and the crowd falls back. It seems plenty. Of, of course, it's not your experience, ladies and gentlemen. I can't find words. Well, I'll pull this microphone with me as I talk. I'll have to stop the description so I can take a new position. Hold on, will you, please? I'll be right back in a minute. bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. We now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back of a stone wall that joins Mr. Wilmoth's garden. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk and as long as I can see. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. About 30 of them. No need to push the crowd back now. They're willing to keep their distance. The captain conferring with someone. Can't quite see who. Oh, yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now, now they've parted, and the professor moves around one side, studying the object while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lords are turning into flames. Oh, the whole field caught by the woods of fires. The, the gas tanks, tanks for the automobiles. Spreading everywhere. It's coming this way now. About 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we have a late bulletin from San Diego, California. Professor Indelkoffer, speaking at a dinner of the California Astronomical Society, expressed the opinion that the explosions on Mars are undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances on the surface of the planet. We continue now with our piano interlude. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a message that came in from Grover's Mill by telephone. Just one moment, please. At least 40 people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field east of the village of Grover's Mill, their bodies burned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you hear will be that of Brigadier General Montgomery Smith, commander of the state militia at Trenton, New Jersey. I have been requested by the governor of New Jersey to place the counties of Mercer and Middlesex as, as far west as Princeton and... Uh, east to Jamesburg under martial law. No one will be permitted to enter this area except by special pass issued by state or military authorities. Four companies of state militia are proceeding from Trenton to Grover's Mill and uh, will aid in the evacuation of homes within the range of military operations. Thank you. You have just been listening to General Montgomery Smith commanding the state militia at Trenton. In the meantime, further details of the catastrophe at Grover's Mill are coming in. The strange creatures, after unleashing their deadly assault, 
crawled back in their pit and made no attempt to prevent the efforts of the firemen to recover the bodies and extinguish the fire. The combined fire departments of Mercer County are fighting the flames which menace the entire countryside. We have been unable to establish any contact with our mobile unit at Grover's Mill, but we hope to be able to return you there at the earliest possible moment. In the meantime, we take you to... Just one moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been informed that we have finally established communication with an eyewitness of the tragedy. Professor Pearson has been located at a farmhouse near Grover's Mill where he has established an emergency observation post. As a scientist, he will give you his explanation of the calamity. The next voice you hear will be that of Professor Pearson, brought to you by Direct Wire. Professor Pearson. Of the creatures in the rocket cylinder at Grover's Mill, I can give you no authoritative information, either as to their nature, their origin, or their purposes here on Earth. Of their destructive instrument, I might venture some conjectural explanation. For want of a better term, I shall refer to the mysterious weapon as a heat ray. It's all too evident that these creatures have scientific knowledge far in advance of our own. It's my guess that in some way they are able to generate an intense heat in a chamber of practically absolute non-conductivity. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, much as the mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. That, that is my conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a bulletin from Trenton. It is a brief statement informing us that the charred body of Carl Phillips has been identified in the Trenton Hospital. Now, here's another bulletin from Washington, D.C. The office of the director of the National Red Cross reports 10 units of Red Cross emergency workers have been assigned to the headquarters of the state militia, stationed outside of Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Here's a bulletin from State Police, Princeton Junction. The fires at Grover's Mill and vicinity are now under control. Scouts report all quiet in the pit, and there is no sign of life appearing from the mouth of the cylinder. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special statement from Mr. Harry McDonald, Vice President in charge of operations. We have received a request from the state militia of Trenton to place at their disposal our entire broadcasting facilities. In view of the gravity of the situation, and believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at Trenton. We take you now to the field headquarters of the state militia near Grover's Mill, New Jersey. This is Captain Lansing of the Signal Corps attached to the state militia, now engaged in military operations in the vicinity of Grover's Mill. Situation arising from the reported presence of certain individuals of unidentified nature is now under complete control. The cylindrical object which lies in a pit directly below our position, surrounded on all sides by eight battalions of infantry without heavy field pieces, but adequately armed with rifles and machine guns. All cause for alarm, if such cause ever existed, is now entirely unjustified. The things, whatever they are, do not even venture to poke their heads above the pit. I can see their hiding place plainly in the glare of the searchlights here. With all their reported resources, these creatures can scarcely stand up against heavy machine gun fire. Anyway, it's an interesting outing for the troops. I can make out their cocky uniforms crossing back and forth in front of the lights. Looks almost like a real war. There appears to be some slight smoke in the woods bordering the Millstone River, probably fire started by campers. Well, uh, we ought to see some action soon. One of the companies is deploying on the left flank. 
A quick thrust and it'll all be over. Now, wait a minute. I see something on top of the cylinder. No, no, it's nothing but a shadow. Now the troops are on the edge of the Wilmoth Farm. 7,000 armed men closing in on an old metal tube. A tub, rather. Well, wait, that wasn't a shadow. It's something moving. Solid metal, kind of a shield-like affair rising up out of the cylinder. Going higher and higher. What? It's, it's standing on legs. Actually rearing up on a sort of metal framework. Now it's reaching above the trees and the searchlights are on it. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. The battle which took place tonight at Grover Mills has ended in one of the most startling defeats ever suffered by an army in modern times. 7,000 men armed with rifles and machine guns pitted against the single fighting machine of the invaders from Mars. 120 known survivors. The rest strewn over the battle area from Grover's Mill to Plainsboro, crushed and trampled to death under the metal feet of the monster, or burned to cinders by its heat ray. The monster is now in control of the middle section of New Jersey and has effectively cut the state through its center. Communication lines are down from Pennsylvania to the Atlantic Ocean. Railroad tracks are torn and service from New York to Philadelphia discontinued except routing some of the trains through Allerton and Phoenixville. Highways to the north, south, and west are clogged with frantic human traffic. Police and army reserves are unable to control the mad flight. By morning, the fugitives will have swelled Philadelphia, Camden, and Trenton. It is estimated to twice their normal population. Martial law prevails throughout New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania. At this time, we take you to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of the Interior. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you, private citizens and public officials, all of you, the urgent need of calm and resourceful action. Fortunately, this formidable enemy is still confined to a comparatively small area. And we may place our faith in the military forces to keep them there. In the meantime, placing our faith in God, we must continue the performance of our duties, each and every one of us, so that we may confront this destructive adversary with a nation united, courageous, and consecrated to the preservation of human supremacy on this earth. I thank you. You have just heard the Secretary of the Interior speaking from Washington. Bulletins too numerous to read are piling up in the studio here. We're informed that the central portion of New Jersey is blacked out from radio communication due to the effect of the heat ray upon power lines and electrical equipment. Here's a special bullet in New York. Cables have been received from English, French, and German scientific bodies offering assistance. Astronomers report continued gas outbursts at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The majority voiced the opinion that the enemy will be reinforced by additional rocket machines. There have been several attempts made to locate Professor Pearson of Princeton, who has observed Martians at close range. It is feared he was lost in the recent battle. Langham Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report three Martian machines visible above treetops, moving north toward Somerville with population fleeing ahead of them. The heat ray is not in use, although advancing at express 
strange speed, invaders pick their way carefully. They seem to be making a conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. Wherever they stop to uproot power lines, bridges, and railroad tracks, their apparent objective is to crush resistance, paralyze communication, and disorganize human society. Here is a bulletin from Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Coon hunters have stumbled on a second cylinder similar to the first, embedded in the Great Swamp 20 miles south of Morristown. Army field pieces are proceeding from Newark to blow up the second invading unit before the cylinder can be opened in the fighting machine rig. They are taking up a position in the foothills of Washington Mountain. Another, another, another bulletin from Langham Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report enemy machines now three in number, increasing speed northward, kicking over houses and trees in their evident haste to form a conjunction with their allies south of Marstown. Machines also sighted by telephone operator east of Middlesex within 10 miles of Plainfield. Here's a bulletin from Winston Field, Long Island. A fleet of army bombers carrying heavy explosives flying north in pursuit of enemy. Scouting planes act as guides. They keep the speeding enemy in sight. Just a moment, please, ladies and gentlemen. We've, uh, we've run special wires to the artillery line in adjacent villages to give you direct reports from the zone of the advancing enemy. First, we take you to the battery of the 22nd Field Artillery, located in the Washington Mountains. Range 32 meters. 32 meters. Protection 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire! Forty yards to the right, sir. Ship range, 31 meters. 31 meters. Projection, 37 degrees. 37 degrees. Fire. Yes. Hit that. Got the tripod of one of them. They're stopped. The others are trying to repair Quick, it. Quick, get the range. Ship, 50, 30 meters. 30 meters. Projection, 27 degrees. 27 degrees. Fire. Sir. Letting off a smoke. What is it? Black smoke, sir. Moving this way. Flying close to the ground. Moving fast. Put on gas mask. Ready to fire. Ship to 24 meters. 24 meters. Projection 24 degrees. 24 degrees. Fire. Can't see, sir. Smoke's coming nearer. Get the range. Twenty-three <coughs> meters. Twenty-three meters. Twenty-three meters. Lieutenant Bolt, commanding eight bombers, reporting to Commander Fairfax Langham Field. This is Bolt reporting to Commander Fairfax Langham Field. Enemy tripod machines now in sight. Reinforced by three machines from the Morristown Cylinder. Six altogether. One machine partially crippled. Believed hit by shell from Army gun in Wachung Mountain. Guns now appear silent. A heavy black fog hanging close to the earth of extreme density, nature unknown. No sign of heat ray. Enemy now turns east, crossing Passaic River into the Jersey marshes. Another straddles the Pulaski Skyway. Evident objective is New York City. 
pushing down a high-tension power station. Machines are close together now, and we're ready to attack. Planes circling, ready to strike. A thousand yards, and we'll be over the first. Eight hundred yards. Six hundred. Four hundred. Two hundred. There they go. The giant arm raised. Green flash. Spraying us with flame. Two thousand feet. Engines are giving out. No chance to release bombs. Only one thing left. Drop on the plane and all. We're diving on the first one. Now the engine's gone. Hey. This is Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. This is Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. Come in, please. Langham Field. Go ahead. Eight Army bombers in engagement with enemy tripod machines over Jersey Flats. Engines incapacitated by heat ray. All crashed. One enemy machine destroyed. Enemy now discharging heavy black smoke in direction of... Newark, New Jersey. This is Newark, New Jersey. Warning. Poisonous black smoke pouring in from Jersey marshes. Fleet of South Street. Gas masks useless. Urge population to move into open spaces. Automobiles use Route 7, 23, 24. Avoid congested areas. Smoke now spreading over, over Raymond Boulevard. Two X to L calling CQ. Two X to L calling CQ. Two X to L calling eight X three R. Come in, please. This is eight X three R coming back at two X two L. Eyes reception. Eyes reception. K, please. Where are you, eight X three R? What's the matter? Where are you? I'm speaking from the. Broadcasting building. I'm speaking from the roof of Broadcasting Building, New York City. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to the north. Hutchison River Parkway is still kept open for motor traffic. Avoid bridges to Long Island, hopelessly jammed. All communication with Jersey Shore closed ten minutes ago. No more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, Air Force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. People are holding service here below us in the cathedral. Now I look down the harbor, all, all manner of boats, overloaded with fleeing population, pulling out from docks. Streets are all jammed, noise in crowds like New Year's Eve in city. Wait a minute, the 
The enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, waiting, waiting the Hudson like a man waiting through a brook. A bulletin is handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis. Seem to be time and space. Now the first machine reaches the shore. He stands watching, looking over the city. Steel cowlish head is even with his skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers on the city's west side. Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out, black smoke drifting over the city. People in the streets see it now. They're running toward the East River, thousands of them, dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They, they're falling like flies. Now the smoke's crossing 6th Avenue. 5th Avenue, a uh, hundred yards away, it's, it's, it's Peak. to a CBS presentation of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air in an original dramatization of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. The performance will continue after a brief intermission. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, starring Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air. house near Grover's Mill, a small island of daylight cut off by the black smoke from the rest of the world. All that happened before the arrival of these monstrous creatures in the world now seems part of another life, a life that has no continuity with the present, furtive existence of the lonely derelict who 
pencils these words on the back of some astronomical notes bearing the signature of Richard Pearson. I looked down at my blackened hand, and I tried to connect them with a professor who lives at Princeton and who, on the night of October 20th, glimpsed through his telescope an orange splash of light on a distant planet. My wife, my colleagues, my students, my books, my observatory, my... my world. Where are they? Did they ever exist? Am I Richard Pearson? What day is it? Do days exist without calendars? Does time pass when there are no human hands left to wind the clocks? Writing down my daily life, I tell myself I shall preserve human history between the dark covers of this little book that was meant to record the movements of the stars, but... To write, I must live, and to live, I must eat. Find moldy bread in the kitchen and an orange not too spoiled to swallow. Keep watch at the window. Time to time, I catch sight of a Martian above the black smoke. Smoke still holds the house in its black coil, but at length there's a hissing sound, and suddenly I see a Martian mounted on his machine spraying the air with a jet of steam as if to dissipate the smoke. I watch in a corner as his huge metal legs nearly brush against the house. Exhausted by terror, I fall asleep. Morning. Morning. Sun streams in the window. Black cloud of gas is lifted and the scorched meadows to the north look as though a black snowstorm had passed over them. I venture from the house. I make my way to a road. No traffic. Here in a wrecked car, baggage overturned, a blackened skeleton. Push on north. For some reason I feel safer trailing these monsters than running away from them. And I keep a careful watch. I've seen the Martians feed. Should one of their machines appear over the top of trees, I'm ready to fling myself flat on the earth. Come to a chestnut tree. October. Chestnut to right. Fill my pockets. Let's keep a line. Two days I wander in a vague northerly direction through a desolate world. Finally, I notice a living creature. A small red squirrel in a beech tree. I stare at him and wonder. He stares back at me. I believe at that moment the animal and I shared the same emotion. The joy of finding another living being. Push on north, I find dead cows in a brackish field and beyond the charred ruins of a dairy in a silo. Main standing guard over the wasteland like a lighthouse. Deserted by the sea. Stride the silo, purchase a weathercock. The arrow points north. North. Next day, I come to a city, city vaguely familiar in its contours, yet its buildings strangely dwarfed and leveled off as if, as if a giant had sliced off its highest towers with a capricious sweep of his hand. Reached the outskirts, I found Newark. Newark, undemolished but humbled by some whim of the advancing Martians. Presently, with an odd feeling of being watched, I caught sight of something crouching in a doorway. I made a step towards him. 
rose up and became a man. A man armed with a large knife. Stop. Where do you come from? Oh, I come from... from many places. A long time ago, from Princeton. Princeton, huh? That's near Grover's Mill. Yes. Grover's Mill. <laughs> There's no food here. This is my country. All this end of town down the river. There's only food for one. Which way are you going? I don't know. I guess I'm looking for people. Hey, what was that? Did we hear something just then? No. Only a bird. A live bird. Yeah. You get to know that birds have shadows these days. Hey, we're in the open here. Let's crawl in this doorway here and talk. Have you seen any Martians? No. They've gone over to New York. Night, the sky's alive with their lights, just as if people were still living in it. By daylight, you can't see them. Five days ago, a couple of them carried something big across the flats from the airport. I think they're learning how to fly. Fly? Yeah, Fly. Well, it's all over with humanity. Stranger, there's still you and I. Two of us left. Yeah. They got themselves in solid. They wrecked the greatest country in the world. Those green stars, they're probably falling somewhere every night. They've only lost one machine. There isn't anything to do. We're done. We're licked. Where were you? You're in a uniform. Yeah, what's left of it? I was in the militia. National Guard. <laughs> That's good. There wasn't any war, any more than there's war between men and ants. Yes, but we're eatable ants. I found that out. What'll they do to us? I felt it all out. Right now, we're caught as we're wanted. A Martian only has to go a few miles to get a crowd on the run. But they won't keep on doing that. They'll begin catching us systematically, like keeping the best and storing us in cages and things. They haven't begun on us yet. Not begun? Not begun. All that's happened so far is because we don't have sense enough to keep quiet. Bothering them with guns and such stuff and losing our heads and rushing off in crowds. Now, instead of our rushing around blind, we got to fix ourselves up. Fix ourselves up according to the way things are now. Cities, nations, civilization, progress. Yes, but if that's so, what is there to live for? Well, there won't be any more concerts for a million years or so and no nice little dinners at restaurants. If it's amusement you're after, I guess the game's up. What is there left? Life, that's what. I want to live. Yeah, and so do you. We're not going to be exterminated. And I don't mean to be caught either. Tamed and fattened and bred like an ox. What are you going to do? I'm going on. Right under their feet. I got a plan. We men as men, we're finished. We don't know enough. We got to learn plenty before we got a chance. We've got to live and keep free while we learn, see? I've thought it all out, see? Well, tell me the rest. Well, it isn't all of us that are made for wild beasts. That's what it got to, that, that's what it got to be. That's why I watched you. Watched you. All those little office workers that used to live in these houses, they be no good. They haven't any stuff in them. They used to run, run off to work. I've seen hundreds of them running to catch their commuter's train in the morning, afraid they could can if they didn't. Running back at night, afraid they wouldn't be in time for dinner. Lives insured and a little invested in case of accidents. 
Yeah, and on Sundays. Worried about the hereafter. The Martians, there'll be a godsend for those guys. Nice roomy cages. Good food, careful breeding, no worries. Yeah, after a week or so of chasing around the fields on empty stomachs, they'll come and be glad to be caught. You've thought it all out, haven't you? Sure, you bet I have. That isn't all. These Martians are going to make pets of them. Train them to do tricks. Who knows, get sentimental over the pet boy who grew up and had to be killed. Yeah, and some maybe. They'll train to hunt us. Oh, no, it's impossible. Human yes, beings. they will. There's men who do it gladly. Me, by... In the meantime, you and I and others like us, where are we to live when the Martians own the earth? I got it all figured out. To live underground. I've been thinking about the sewers. Under New York, there are miles and miles of them. The main ones, they're big enough for anybody. And there's cellars, vaults, underground storerooms, railway tunnels, subways. You begin to see, huh? We'll get a bunch of strong men together. No weaklings. That rubbish, out. As you meant me to go. All right. Give you a chance, didn't I? Won't quarrel about that. Go on. Well, we got to make safe places for us to stay in, see? Get all the books we can. Science books. That's where men like you come in, see? We raid the museums. We'll even spy on the Martians. May not be so much we have to learn before. Just imagine this. Four or five of their own fighting machines suddenly start off. Heat rays right and left. Not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them, see? But men. Men who've learned the way how. May even be in our time. Gee. Imagine having one of them lovely things with a heat ray wide and free. We turn it on Martians. We turn it on men. We'd bring everybody down on their knees. That's your plan. Yeah. You, me, you more of it. We don't the world. I see. Hey. Hey, what's the matter? Where are you going? Not to your world. Bye, stranger. Well, after parting with the artilleryman, I came at last to the Holland Tunnel, entered that silent tube, anxious to know the fate of the great city on the other side of the Hudson. Cautiously, I came out of the tunnel and made my way up Canal Street. Reached 14th Street, and there again were black powder and several bodies and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the cellars of some of the houses. I wandered up through the 30s and 40s, stood alone on Times Square, Caught sight of a lean dog running down 7th Avenue with a piece of dark brown meat in his jaws and a pack of starving mongrels at his heels. Made a wide circle around me as though he feared I might prove a fresh competitor. Walked up Broadway in the direction of that... that strange powder, that silent shop windows, displaying their mute wares to empty sidewalks. Past the Capitol Theater, silent, dark, Past a shooting gallery where a row of empty guns faced an arrested line of wooden ducks. Near Columbus Circle, I noticed models of 1939 motor cars in the showrooms facing empty streets. Over the top of the General Motors building, I watched a flock of black birds circling in the sky. Hurried on. Suddenly, I caught sight of the hood of a Martian machine. 
standing somewhere in Central Park, gleaming in the late afternoon sun. An insane idea. I, I, I rushed recklessly across Columbus Circle and into the park. I, I climbed a small hill above the pond at 60th Street, and from there I could see, standing in a silent row along the mall, 19 of those great metal titans, their cowls empty, their steel arms hanging listlessly by their sides. I looked in vain for the monsters that inhabit those machines. Suddenly, my eyes were attracted to the immense flock of black birds that hovered directly below me. They circled to the ground. And there before my eyes, stark and silent, lay the Martians with the hungry birds pecking and tearing brown shreds of flesh from their dead bodies. Later, when their bodies were examined in laboratories, it was found that they were killed by the putrefactive and diseased bacteria against which their systems were unprepared. Slain, after all, man's defenses had failed by the humblest thing that God, as wisdom, has put upon this earth. Before the cylinder fell, there was a general persuasion that through all the deep of space, no life existed beyond the petty surface of our minute sphere. Now we see further, dim and wonderful is the vision I've conjured up in my mind of life spreading slowly from this little seedbed of the solar system throughout the inanimate vastnesses of sidereal space. But a remote dream, maybe. Maybe that the destruction of the Martians is only a reprieve to them and not to us. The future ordained, perhaps. Ah, strange it now seems to sit in my peaceful study at Princeton, writing down this last chapter of the record, begun at a deserted farm in Grover's Mill. Strange to watch children playing in the streets. Strange to see young people strolling on the green where the new spring grass heals the last black scars of a bruised earth. Strange to watch the sightseers Enter the museum where the dissembled parts of a Martian machine are kept on public view. Strange when I recall the time when I first saw it. Bright and clean-cut, hard and silent under the dawn of that last great day. <laughs> This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates by tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. That grinning, glowing globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch, and if your doorbell rings and nobody's there, that was no Martian. It's Halloween. <laughs>
Tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations, Coast to Coast, has brought you The War of the World by H.G. Wells, the 17th in its weekly series of dramatic broadcasts featuring Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air. Next week, we present a dramatization of three famous short stories. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.